Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome editor, Sam Dillon. And today we are bringing you Season 2 of the World Tree Burns podcast, the official actual play 5th edition D&D podcast that takes place in the Cobalt Press setting Midgard. We hope you enjoy this season, and without further ado, let's see what Dan Dillon has in store for his players. Look, mate, three generations ago, my ancestors forged the Great Blade Skull Splitter. With it, they won the Goblin Wars, the Hobgoblin Wars, the Orc Wars, the Demon Wars, the Elf Wars, and the Gelatinous Cube Wars. And that one doesn't even make sense, because they don't have skulls. Now, all these years later, the legend of the Great Skull Splitter grows. Offering dice to help you create your own legends, Skull Splitter Dice makes the highest quality dice beautiful dice of both plastic and metal. Want to roll bones that look like bones? Or just something with enough heft to split the skulls of your enemies? Skull Splitter Dice has that and more. Check them out now at SkullSplitterDice.com slash Tomeshow and use the coupon code Tomeshow with all little letters and get 15% off. Now get out there, split some skulls, and build some legends. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The World Tree Burns on Encounter Roleplay. Uh, Today, I am speaking for Will, apparently. He's uh, unable to be with us, but he's got us all set up, and we're going to play anyway without him. Uh, Riodan is off somewhere in a haze or a stupor, like he do. So, welcome! I'm Dan Dillon, I'll be your Dungeon Master for this evening on the World Tree Burns. We'll be diving into some Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, and we're playing in the World of Midgard from Cobalt Press. Uh, So why don't we go around and uh, everybody introduce ourselves and our our, uh, characters that we'll be playing tonight. Why don't we start with Tallsquall? Hey, I am uh, super happy to be here. I love Midgard. I'm pulling up all of my great Midgard uh, lore and such and things because uh, it is deep and vast. And our good friend Glaz, he's supposed to know about stuff like that. So I'm going to have to make sure that I've got some of it. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing where this goes with such an interesting, interesting uh, beginning that we had and uh, meeting up with new friends, apparently. All right, uh, brings us over to Simply Jackson. Hi, I am Simply Jackson, uh, the, one of the new kids on the block here, and playing Tilly, uh, our you dwarf, are a Joey dwarf fighter. What'd you say? You are a Joey. What, what's a Joey? Oh, that's oh, a new oh, kid on the block. Oh, oh, I got it. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I was. Oh, oh, oh. I'm oh, oh, a little. Oh. Um, I would say I'm sorry. I grew up but... in that era. I'm just gonna shut up. <laughs> now. Okay. You are you are dating several of us right now, man. You got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm super happy to be back. I went to BlizzCon last weekend, but look forward to coming back and roleplaying again and getting back into routine. So I'm super I'm super excited to be here. And hi, everybody in chat. All right. <laughs> Hello, everyone in chat. All right, Scarlet Moth. Hi, I'm Scarlet Moth. I'm an artist and cosplayer and lover of all things D and D. And I'm going to be playing Rowan, the uh, the Ravenfolk cleric, whose uh, accent is still really up and down. I'm sorry, it's uh, <laughs> coming coming straight from from playing a, a very Celtic uh, druid. I'm just trying to figure that all out. No, it's all good. I'm loving it. And last but certainly not least, McLogan. 
Hi, I'm McLoken, the most unsexiest D&D player. Um, I'll be the opposite of Will. Um, So I'm excited for tonight. I was... Last week, I was excited, and I've been telling people at work about this. I was like, I can't wait to introduce them to the fucking drunk hope that they have. And, like, was so excited. And then Will took it away from me. I'll remember this, Will. (laughs) Yank the rug right out from under us. (laughs) McCloakin will Um, remember that. I will remember that. Um, I, I'm excited to play today, and uh, if you guys don't know, I am playing Cloak, the lovable Norm Ranger. Uh, always tells the truth, uh, doesn't do anything shady. Um, yeah, just do what he says. <laughs> no dark secrets from his past at all that are ever going to come back to haunt anyone. No. It's fine. All right, so, uh, so let us jump into it. Uh, today we will pick up just a few hours after dawn on the waters of the river leading into Zobek from the north. There's a small keelboat, uh, its sail rigged to catch the wind, to help drive it upstream against the current, and uh, manning the helm is our plate armor-clad dwarf reaver captain, Tilly. And uh, there in the, in the bow of the boat, nestled into her hood and her robe against the uh, chill spring wind blowing along the winter, uh, blow, blowing along the river, sorry, uh, is Rowan, our raven folk. And you can see up ahead the walls of the city of Zobek. You can see a great hill in the center of the city with a fortress built on top, gray and imposing. Uh, a recent spring rain having washed across all of the buildings, leaving dark smears and stains running down the stone, but also giving it a sort of um, uh, just a, a fresh, clean feeling. Uh, in addition to that, and it's not an unwelcome sight. It's a little different than the architecture of the cities you're used to from your homes in the north, and uh, even from the remains of the kingdom of Krakovar to the north. You can see lots of half-timber construction with white plaster walls. Um, you see slate, ro- slate and tile roofs, uh, some with wooden shingles, uh, others with stone or pottery. And you can see that the river leads you into a bustling dock area where the river splits around a long island. And it looks like there are uh, ships and barges docking on the outside, the outer side of the island. And uh, you begin making your way toward those docks, looking for a place to, to tie up your boat. Uh, as you draw nearer, you can see that the uh, population sort of massed along the docks is incredibly diverse. There are humans, there are many dwarves, there are, um, you see what look like even an elf here or there, which is almost unheard of uh, in your homelands. Uh, in fact, the stories that you have read have been... Um, have told you that the elves were were mostly gone from Midgard, uh, but there are rumors circulating these days that uh, strange individuals of lithe grace with uh, long pointed ears and uh, wielding strange magic have begun walking the land again. So perhaps at least some of those stories are true. Uh, You can see uh, burly stevedores unloading crates uh, from barges and loading them up on wagons. And uh, several of the dock workers kind of uh, wave you away as you get close, somewhat grumpily, and they point you toward the southern end of what they refer to as the gullet, and you can find berth there for your boat. 
So you uh, expertly pilot your craft down to the southern uh, southern tip of the island, and you can see uh, a few smaller open piers where you can bring your craft in and uh, tie up to one of the wooden pylons there. Uh, and as you do, a sort of uh, squat, pot-bellied human uh, carrying a board with parchments laid on it with uh, little spectacles, half-moon spectacles perched on the end of his nose uh, with kind of a ruddy complexion to his cheeks comes over and uh, glances at you and says, Yes, uh, your name, please, miss? Mm -hmm. It's Tilly Ashbringer. Mm-hmm. He uh, dips his quill into the little uh, inkwell attached to the board, and you can hear the scratch of the tip of the pen on the parchment. And uh, how long do you wish to make your birth here? Mm, probably only a few days. I don't, I'm not too sure where we have a bit of a task on our hand, but we'll, we'll say maybe a day or two. So he uh, he looks over your boat. It's relatively small. You don't really have, it doesn't look like you have any cargo to unload or any animals to deal with or passengers to speak of, anything like that. So he just sort of perfunctorily says, anything to declare to customs? Mm, other than myself and the good ale I'm bringing aboard? He, uh, so he, when you mention the ale, he looks and doesn't see anything in the way of like an actual cargo shipment. So apparently is beneath his concern. So he just sort of, hmm, and makes a little mark and says, uh, that will be three copper pieces per day of leaving your boat moored to the pier. Three copper. Would you like to pay in advance? Are there other options to play? Could I, do I have to pay in advance? Uh, you needn't, but if the day if the day rolls by and you're not up to date on your payments, there could be difficulties. All right, I'll pay the three. Will the price change if we're here more than two days? No, indeed not. All right, I'll pay for the two days, and then if we need to pay more beyond that, I'll come find you. What was your name, sir? Uh, Allians. Allians. All right, I'll come find you in case. I'm Dockmaster Allians. Dockmaster Aliens, and anybody will know you by name here, yeah? Indeed. Aye. So he uh, he takes your coins and uh, marks down next to your name that you have paid, and uh, and just sort of nods uh, 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 by way of farewell, and just kind of meanders on down the pier. All right. And so you can get yourself tied up and uh, and step out onto the land of Zobek. What manner of things were we were we meant to declare to customs? I didn't realize you were standing so close, dear. Sometimes she gets real close to personal quarters. I don't mind, but just let me know next time. I'm quite quiet. Tap on the shoulder. Quiet. I know. I know this well. <laughs> but seriously, just bunch of people here. Could have been trying to rob me. I just wanted to make sure. Sorry. If someone tries to rob you, they'll have the end of my beak. I and more things for you to collect. Yes. And she just sort of snapped her beak. Tilly's gonna like sniff into the wind and kind of smell anything that's that's extra carbs and potentially hoppy. <laughs> and that's probably the direction we need to go. Feeling hungry? <laughs> or just trying to get your bearings? No, oh, no, right. both, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, so on on the gullet, which is this long kind of uh, thin island that is just sort of plopped into the middle of, of the river, sort of like a, a 
way overgrown sandbar. You can see warehouses on it, uh, just a bristling of docks and piers on the, uh, the northern side. And you can see not too far away, there's a stone bridge that crosses one of the little tributaries of the river there and leads you into the city proper. Uh, if you're looking for food or drink, it's probably going to happen over there. And if you know uh, dock areas of cities, there should be plenty of offerings pretty close to the uh, to the waterfront. Now, DM, what did the vision of the White Raven tell me about what we should do when we find the air? <laughs> it uh, it actually didn't tell you any specific course of action that you were to take. It told you that everything hinges on the south, and that you were to find the the scion of the Osgrey line, and from there you're sort of on your own. So it didn't say to kill him or anything like that. Oh no, 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 okay. no! It did not. <laughs> Good point. Good point. So we just have to find him. That would have taken a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Tilly will tap Rowan on the shoulder. Are you hungry, dear? I'm always famished. I mean, we only had some dried jerky here and there, so maybe we can find you some fresh meat. Fresh meat? Something less, less salty. <laughs> but yeah, some also, parched also if we can find the whereabouts of the scion if we can ask after I'm not sure if he's a vampire or a dampier or well I'll tell you what dear, if he's if he's either one I'm sure he stood out enough that if we uh, if we head on into a tavern or a local spot we can ask around and somebody will know probably she said prophetically <laughs> <laughs> they stand out pretty well I'm sure I so uh, one thing that you've learned dealing with the Dampiers and the, and the Vampires' forces in the north uh, is that if a Dampier wishes to pass for human, they generally can pretty well. When they interact with people, it will, their nature will start to exert itself a little bit. They have that, that uh, vein, if you will, of darkness and uh, sort of their predatory nature that they can't ever fully hide for long, usually without, you know, some taking some really extraordinary pains or, or magical assistance to do. But just at, at casual interactions, they can pass for human just fine. Um, but you are correct that anyone that he's spent any real amount of time with, they're going to start to pick up on the fact that there's a, a wolf amongst the sheep. Okay. All right, let's head out. So you, uh, you turn your steps toward the city itself, and uh, you kind of make your way through this just dense press and bustle of business and commerce happening uh, in uh, along the gullet. The streets are uh, full of uh, porters carrying packages, uh, grunting stevedores, uh, teams of them manhandling massive heavy cargo crates onto wagons and, uh, and carts, and you make your way across uh, a stout stone bridge that leads you into the, the dock ward of Zobek itself. And once you get there, you can... Uh, it, it looks a, a little more of a... Oh, what do we have there? Glenn's... Thank you. Uh, 
Uh, all right, as you get into the dock ward, you can see that you're more in the sort of city proper now. So there are uh, buildings nestled close together. There are wide streets with people going about their morning business and uh, beginning their day. You can smell uh, the delightful scent of fresh-baked bread. Uh, you can catch the, uh, the, the uh, heady aroma of uh, frying bacon and, uh, and cooking sausage wafting out of some of the nearby... Tilly's patting her stomach and reaching back for Rowan. Okay. Tuck your, tuck your bits in tight. Let's go. Quicker, quicker. Let's go. <laughs> I, I'm old. I'm very old. You know this. Just wait till one day you have, the, you have creaky bones like me. I hope that day never comes, but that's just between you and me. Let's go. Oh. Alright, so... Uh, do you have any particular... Um, type of place you're looking for Meat. or just any Meat. place with hot hot food and cold beer uh pretty much the first one that looks like there's actually space at a table um not overcrowded just okay. because i know that rowan probably won't handle a crowd that well but definitely to get in quickly and seated and start start scrumping down because okay. tilly can't think unless uh, she's got food in her belly <laughs> <laughs> fair enough all right. Well, uh, I would say that the first place you see, which is right by, right by the bridge, is a place called the Blackened Fish Tavern. Perfect. <laughs> there's a. It's got a, a shingle hanging out front, and there's a sort of this this uh, this curved fish onto it, and half of it is just black, as if by uh, by fire or it was overcooked. And there are these stark little white eyes peeking out from the uh, the scorched black face and body. And you head inside, and it's uh, it's a lively sort of place. It's not terribly overcrowded right now. It looks like most of the dock workers, who would probably be their regular clientele, have already headed off to, to work. So there are plenty of open tables, and uh, you can see that they're not uh, overworked and not over busy right now. So you settle in uh, at a table, you and you and Rowan, and in short order, uh, one of the servers kind of catches your eye, and when you give her an enthusiastic nod, she comes uh, comes sweeping over, and she says, "Right then, what can I get the two of you?" Well, I hope the sign isn't indicative of the type of food you serve here, or the way you cook it. <laughs> she uh, she actually. She actually snickers at that and says, no, no, not at all. We've got uh, plenty fine food. What would you prefer? We've got eggs, sausage, bacon on right now. We could do something a little more, uh, a little more hearty if you're, uh, if you're finding yourselves terribly, uh, terribly of an appetite. I think we have some roasted venison from just last night. Still plenty good. After you, Roland, what do you like? Anything greasy. And meaty. All right, I guess maybe your thickest slice of uh, greasy bacon for Owen. Easily done. That's the only way we serve it. Just a and good so uh, she takes your orders and bustles off toward the kitchen. And uh, so you have a, a few minutes to sort of settle in. Tilly shouts, and, don't uh, forget the ale. Stretch out. <laughs> <laughs> she just kind of waves over her shoulder as she disappears into the swinging door into the kitchen. And now I really want bacon. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> mm -hmm. no. that's that's pretty much my default mode all right so uh 
right. So you have a few minutes to kind of settle in and just kind of stretch back and let some of the, the knots that your muscles had tied into in the slightly cramped boat that you've spent so long in uh, begin to, to loosen and work themselves out a little bit. And uh, so if you guys want to, if there's anything you want to do or if you just want to wait for your meal, no problem. No, I'm... Would there be any sort of entertainment, potentially, in this space? Uh, so you look around, and it looks like the sort of place that would certainly have entertainment. Uh, and indeed, there's actually a low stage uh, in the center of the common room, but there's nobody on there right now. Um, but I will say uh, that you can see that the stage has a peculiar sort of... Um, like discoloration around the edges, like maybe something spilled on it constantly, or maybe someone had a show that involved uh, something other than music and dancing and something like that recently. Looks a little odd. Uh, but the, there doesn't look like there's any sort of entertainment or anything happening right now, and so in short order, your, uh, your beers and breakfasts are brought out to you. Uh, and the server just sort of smiles and goes on about her way. And she uh, she remains uh, in sight most of the time. So if you need anything, she's uh, available to you. So you you have a uh, a fine meal. Um, I would call it uh, you know it, it's solidly adequate. It's nothing great. Uh, the the beer's okay. Um, it's a little disappointing. Oh, yeah. Given what you're used to, but you, uh, you, you know, you have your skill and your rarefied tastes. Uh, Standards what about are pretty high. Rowan? Does Rowan? <laughs> yeah. Does Rowan partake of beer or ale or anything like that? Uh, she won't partake of any of the alcohol. She'll just sort of ask for some water and just nip at it. Um, as she's having okay. her meal, no she's going to consult the bones. Mm-hmm. Just to. Say how, figure out how close they are. <laughs> As Rowan and... focuses on her bones till he just pulls her other ale over. Well, you're not gonna drink it all night. I'll just take that. Thank oh, you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. We'll find a home for you. Don't worry. <laughs> yep. Uh, so go ahead and make me a wisdom check, please, Rowan. Okay. Me get my dice. So, um, wisdom. Anything else, or is it just 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 a wisdom check? Okay. Uh, that's going to be an 18. 18, alright. Uh, so you cast the bones, and you get... Looking at the way they sort of uh, they fall onto the table and cross over one another, you're able to pull a few distinct impressions or images, which often come to you in, in the form of a word that you can then kind of interpret. Uh, the runes sort of combine to create these words for you. You get two words this time. You get the words... Um, Sorry, let me make sure I don't steer you wrong with the uh, the directions because the map is sideways. Yes, you get the directions east and blue. East. Hmm. Tilly with half a chunk of bread and beer beer in her mouth. Well, what what did you say? Did you just say? Did you say east? Is there too much yeast in your in your east. water? What? East. Oh, east. Is that the direction no. we need to go? Aye, we need to go east. Yeast isn't good for birds. I was I was definitely going to set a set it right. Get it for free, maybe. Yeah. No, east and the word blue. Blue. 
What do you think that'll do with anything blue? I mean, oh. maybe the river or what? Well, if, if only I knew. Mm. All the right. bones there. All right. They're cryptic at best. I, I'll not. I'll not use my strong words in front of you, young lady. But, oh, fact if I know what what they mean half the time. <laughs> Better you than me. Although you will say that uh, that lately you've been getting uncharacteristically um, helpful uh, advice from them, and you know that a lot of times it's hit or miss without actually calling upon the blessings of Wotan. That uh, it, it's sometimes difficult to get a clear reading from the from the bones, but they've been uh, they've been hitting more often than not recently in the in the last few months, maybe stretching onto a year now, which is starting to strike you as just a little bit strange. So you finish your meals, uh, sopping up the last of your runny eggs with the big hunk of crusty bread that was brought. Uh, you snap down your your fried bacon, which is only just a little too overcooked on the edges, so not too bad, Rowan. Uh, and you uh, you settle up the bill, which is which is a, a paltry sum, and you can t- head back out onto the streets of Zobek. All right, you're ready to go. I give give me one moment. Uh, waitress. She'll just yes, motion her over with her bony fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the words East and Blue mean anything to you? Uh, we, we've gotten rather vague directions. She, uh, she kind of tilts her head to the side and purses her lips a bit, and she says, Well, um, the first thing it makes me think of is the Blue Barbers of Wharf Street, and they're just to the east of here, just down the block aways. Hi. Perhaps that's who you're looking for, love. That was the Blue Barbers? Mm-hmm. Just down on Wharf Street. Rowan will toss her an extra bit of copper. Oh, thank you kindly. And she tucks it away in a little pocket inside her apron. Tilly's going to be stroking her beard, but not beard. Her like, not beard. Onto a barber. Oh, all right. <laughs> I don't know about this, but we'll go, alright? Maybe, maybe I'll get them to give my feathers a trim. Oh, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but let's go. She opens the door. <laughs> alright, you uh, you step back out into the, uh, into the street, and the sun and sort of just street noise of horses' hooves clopping by on cobblestones and the clatter of cartwheels and just sort of the general din of city life and chatter between people uh, going about their way just kind of washes over you as you step outside. And you turn toward the east, and in a few short blocks' time, you do indeed see a street sign proclaiming Wharf Street. Hi, Wharf, Wharf Street, then. Come on, squeeze between the squeeze between the two, please. All right. Let her through. Thank you. All right. She go down that alley. <laughs> All right. So you go down a little way, and uh, the street opens up into. Um, it's almost like uh, like a little market square, just a just a little cramped one, just kind of tucked away in the buildings. And you can see there, off to one side of this market street, is a bright blue pavilion. 
that is sitting up on uh, these polished wood poles with a, a central sort of uh, taller pole in the middle that pokes it up to a point. And you can see these small figures scurrying about under there. They have these uh, chairs set up with, uh, they look very comfortable leather, metal framed chairs that can swivel. And there are these step stools around the back of them. And you see these small figures with bright blue hair and also uh, beards and mustaches in these just sort of outrageous styles, also blue, scurrying about. And they have um, they have sort of puffy white sleeved shirts with uh, little bands sort of holding the sleeves back to leave their hands free and clear. And they have combs and gleaming scissors. And one of them seems to be chatting animatedly with a, uh, a burly sort of fellow wearing... Um, he looks like probably a merchant of some sort. He's wearing finer clothes with some fur trim on them. And he is very meticulously uh, grooming this gentleman's beard and mustache. And he's just sort of chattering at him. Uh, there are a few other chairs that are occupied. And there is one currently that is open. And uh, the gnomish individual is leaning up against a small side table and he has a white towel just sort of draped over his arm and he is very carefully cleaning the blade of a straight razor on it. I Roland, is that what, uh, did you want to get your feathers trimmed? I'll take a seat. Uh, she like nervously scribbles down the extra scruff around her fake beard like I'll just sit around the back where I can hear but do you want, do you want to get your feathers trimmed? Well, oh. well that was not the plan. Oh, we need to no, find... No pressure, but, you know... I don't know why the bones few, would want me to... I don't know why the bones would want me to get my... My feathers preened, but... You never know what they tell you, you know? Maybe they're just helping you out a little bit. I, uh... <clears throat> excuse me, sir. So uh, the two of you kind of make your way over toward the, the little barber pavilion there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you approach, the uh, the gnome snaps the straight razor closed and flicks it across his fingers, just kind of rolls it and tucks it into a little leather sheath that's hanging from his belt. And he turns and he looks at you as you approach and he says, Oh, good morning, good morning, my friends, ladies. Come, come. Can I offer you uh, a... a he, he kind of squints at Tilly for a moment. He says, well... Perhaps not a shave, but perhaps a trim. Uh, we could clean up any of those split ends, make sure your hair grows nice and thick and strong. I can even offer you a tonic of my own uh, concoction to ensure you a, a lovely sheen such as you'd find nowhere else. And he uh, he kind of turns his, his eyes over to Rowan and he says, I'll admit that I've never offered a shave to a raven folk before. I don't suppose that's something you're looking for, though. Oh, not a shave. No, my, my feathers are far too uh, precious, but... Of course, of course. May, may, maybe, a sh maybe a shine. Oh, maybe a, a bit of your tonic for her feathers. Let him he, have a good he, shine to it. His, uh, his eyebrows kind of shoot up towards his head, and he's he's um he's got kind of a receding hairline, so he has this sort of large, shiny dome of a forehead, and then sort of toward the back, his hair is still there and still very long and very blue and styled up, and his mustache comes out to these long points that curl up with, they must be waxed or something, and his beard is also almost like a tri-corner uh, <laughs> at his chin. And he says, well, that's... that's uh, 
That's not something I've tried before. I think, you know what? I think I'll even offer this one on the house just so we can see what happens. What do you say? And he sort of spins the chair around and takes his towel and woof, woof, swishes the, uh, the seat cushion. Tilly elbows forth Rowan. Eyes free. Get in there. Try it out. Ro- Rowan will just clatter forward with her creaky old bones. Oh, that's right. Hop on up right there. Take your time. Get comfortable. So you, uh, you settle into the chair, there's a soft creak of the cushions and that uh, a smell of just kind of well-maintained and this kind of oiled leather that, uh, that strikes you. It's, um, it, it's a comforting sort of smell. And uh, you find yourself settling into the cushion and you can see that there is on the, table, the side table there, he reaches over and pulls up an um, oval silver framed mirror so you can kind of see yourself and he says not that this is particularly necessary since we're not doing a cut or a trim or anything such as that but uh well habits and all of that uh so he says uh here allow me then and takes out a little bottle from a, a little cabinet or a box he has under the table and he starts patting out uh this oil this kind of thick oil into his hands well he uh kind of takes a look at both of you you're uh you're not from around here unless my eye deceives me I we're, we're from up north. Tilly picking some meat between her teeth. Aye. I should, I should quite say so. Uh, you're a reaver, aren't you? He directs that to Tilly. Of course I am. Some of the best family of the oh. raven. Yep. Whew, that's uh, that, that's uh, a hard but uh, I imagine a fulfilling and interesting life that you've, you've got for yourself up there. And he begins to very carefully smooth the oil over your feathers, Rowan. Hey, it's, it, it's uh, up, bit, yeah. Bit off topic, but I can't. I can't actually see my reflection, can't I? Uh, yeah, you can. Okay. So just sort of like do that the thing that birds do, and just sort of flick the feathers a bit. Yeah, so they they sort of flare up a little bit, and he goes whoop. Yeah. He kind of waits until you settle down and then goes back in and starts smoothing in some more. Uh, It actually starts to feel pretty good when he gets under there and he starts, like, kind of not exactly scratching your neck or your head, but really working his fingers into the feathers and into the layers. And you can feel the oil starting to kind of slick down over your feathers. If nothing else, they'll probably be nice and waterproof. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so they start, they probably start to flare a little bit at the back of her neck. (laughs) I haven't had a good time. You're looking better by the second. Yeah. I have a good feeling about this. I think it's gonna <laughs> I think it's gonna work out very, very well. My name is Keitel, by the way. Keitel, it's very very pleased to meet both of you. Pleased to meet you as well. Um th- how are you are you the lead barber here? Do you see a lot of uh people coming in and out? <laughs> uh so he starts to chuckle and the, the gnome at the next table over kind of shoots a glare over Ooh. towards him and narrows his eyes and he goes, Oh I I am I'm most certainly the leader here. You need anything, you come to me. Isn't that right, Vastrin? And the other one glaring at him just sort of <laughs> and goes back to his work and doesn't really say anything. You could hear the uh the quick snicked of his scissors as he just sort of begins whipping through this uh this fellow's sideburns. Uh, and so he, uh, Keitel, uh, chuckles to himself and says, <laughs> well, uh, I, I expect this is your first visit to the, to the fair free city of Zobek then, isn't it? I, I just, we, were... we, uh, oh, no, go ahead, Ron, sorry. You know me, I'm oh, just no, a chatterbox. No, no we were, we were sent, sent on business down south. 
and uh, we we are looking for someone in particular, but we were given very vague directions. Well, that has to be frustrating, then, doesn't it? Aye. Well, who are you looking for? Uh, the lads and I hear all sorts of things. People come here and they love to chitter and chatter while they're getting their beard done or their hair cut. No, I believe Perhaps we know the person you're looking for. We're attempting to look for. Uh, we're sent to look for. I, I believe there are a dampier. Ooh, dampier! Not too many of them spooking around the city. And when you mention dampier. Uh, you can see that his um, demeanor shifts a little bit. Uh, he's intrigued and maybe just a touch suspicious. And he looks over toward the other gnome, whose name is apparently Vastrin, and they sort of catch each other's eye, but they don't quite say anything. Oh, well, uh, it might be might be one or two of the, the half-blood vampires spooking about the city. Uh, no, no harm in that, though, as long as they keep to themselves and... Obey the law and what have you. We we had a bit of trouble on the road. Uh, Tilly, Tilly's homeland got got attacked by uh, by the vampire scourge, and uh, we were sent to find this this lad in hopes that maybe he might have some answers. Well, do you have do you have a name that you're looking for, or shall I just try and scour uh, the word for any of the the half bloods? Who might I'm be lurking about? Tilly nervously snickers. A title. The um. A title. A title indeed. The the scion. Oh of no, Oscar. that uh, Rowan. That um. That random. Uh, the one that you have the fangs from. Uh, didn't he? Didn't he say a, a name along the lines of uh, oh, Ryoden? Real, 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 something of the sort. Sorry. Oh, uh, that is right. This morning. Riodan? That is most certainly a name that I've heard. Uh, He is one of the few Dampir that I know about in the city. Well, uh, he kind of catches himself, and he and the other gnome again exchange a look, and he says, well, uh, perhaps now he's the only one to know about. Uh, He used to keep company with another Dampir named Cain, who uh, I knew rather well, in fact. uh, Cut his hair on a number of occasions. What what would you say their uh, their demeanor's like? What what, what would you say their... uh... They, they carry about them. <laughs> he says, uh, Vastrin, how would you uh, how would you describe their demeanor? And the other one just sort of rolls his eyes and uh, doesn't say anything again. And so uh, Keitel says, well, I- I've never met this Riodan myself, so I'm afraid I can't tell you any, any first-hand information about him. Uh, he- his uh, erstwhile friend Cain... Um, well, I don't suppose his his disposition or demeanor will, will matter much to help you anymore. But I do know that he keeps company with a, a rather strange crew. Uh, why, a trollkin, uh, a shadow fay huntress, believe it or not. Uh, one of one of them from the courts of the shadow fay. Uh, also, another gnome. No relation to us, mind you. He's he's one of one of them from Nimheim. Hmm, a, a trollkin too, eh? Mm-hmm. Aye. Well, that is interesting. Uh, that's, uh, company to keep in. Aye. So, so I'm not. I'm not quite sure exactly where you could find him, but uh, I've heard some rumors that there was uh, a dumpier fellow with more money than sense 
spending perhaps every last copper he had on every last diversion and pleasure he could lay his well-manicured nails on. Uh, he uh, <clears throat> kind of coughs a little bit uh, awkwardly. It says, well, uh, drink and uh, other diversions. I'm, I'm uh, sure you can put your imagination to work mm -hmm. and come up with anything he might have been into. Uh, he's left quite a swath in his wake these last couple of months. Ron, that, um, that surely can be the one we're him. looking for. The one the one that's pros prophetic to you for your bones. Maybe I'm... You, I, a, a drunk, you'd say. I mean, I don't mind him, but... I'm sorry. Uh, well, I, mean, I just can't uh, believe we're coming after somebody of that nature. Well, I think we Recently, should... Recently, most, most certainly. We should search him out all the same. Uh, maybe he'll know the one just, we're looking for. I, th those are my thoughts. That I quite want to so, meet this uh, trollkin. I haven't, I haven't met any in many moons. <clears throat> I... I'm afraid I don't know where exactly to point you to him. Uh, his trail has gone a bit cold of recent, but I can tell you that you're very likely to find the trollkin you so mentioned, uh, perhaps as long, uh, perhaps also with our, oh, very distant cousin, the Niemheim gnome. Uh, you might find them in the Collegium district. Uh, the, the, the trollkin himself appears to be a wizard of some strength. So you might find him at or about the Arcane Collegium. All right, a wizard at Arcane Collegium. Interesting. A wizard trokin. A wizard trokin. Right. Hey. It's, uh, it's not something I've run into over much myself, but uh, yeah, I, this, is, this is the crossroads. We, we find all different walks of life, and really, if you get too complacent expecting one thing, then, well, uh, bad things have a way of happening. So try and keep your mind open, eh? Uh, the world is full of wonders and strange follies. Pretty good at keeping our wits uh, about By us. the way, here's a here's a kind of a, a little look at what these fellas look like. <laughs> oh, those Their are shoes. some amazing moustaches. <laughs> yes, indeed. So he uh, finishes up uh, oiling your feathers and sort of chit-chatting. If you have any other questions you can ask him, you're certainly, you want to ask him, you're certainly welcome to. But he finishes and sort of turns you back to the mirror and says, There now! Done! Have you ever seen such a luster on those feathers of yours? You're just, just going to stroke them and preen them a bit. It's like, how, how does it feel? Uh, so the oil, it seemed, while it kind of went onto his hands very heavy, he spread it very, very thinly and evenly, so it really doesn't leave much of a, a kind of a, a greasy residue that you might expect. It actually doesn't feel too bad. Um, and there's just the faintest hint of a, a kind of an herbal and floral scent to it that is rather pleasant and relaxing. Um, all in all, not a terrible experience. Oh, now I do like this. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, perhaps come back in a few days and let me know how your uh, how your feathers fare. Oh, absolutely. Uh, after it's had some time to settle. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, this this has been uh, most enlightening. Well, I hope it will be in a few days anyway. Uh, I'm very pleased to have met you both. Uh, thanking you kindly. I you as well. And Rowan, you look lovely. We'll have to keep them in at bay. And she elbows her. Well, may maybe we can get you up in the chair next time. <laughs> oh, Come no. On. All I need is oh. some good grease in my belly to maintain the spear in here. I'm good, thanks. 
I, per perhaps you'll consider it next time. I'm telling you, just a little bit of maintenance on your ends there. We needn't, we needn't remove anything you'd regret. Trust me, trust me. I, I know my work, lass. And uh, you'll see results before too long. I guarantee you that. Tilly, like, laughs, but under her breath says something along the lines of fighting doesn't need pretty hair and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised! <laughs> and he just sort of waves as you, uh, as you, you take your leave. All right. So uh... we must head to the uh, collegium. All right, with the troll, trollkin wizard. I'm really curious about this character. A, tr a trollkin lizard? No, a wizard. Wizard. No, no. Yeah, wizard. Like walking down the street, going wizard. Yes, wizard. Yes. We. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so uh, you can get some directions without any trouble from any number of, say, the City Watch that you see, or, or any of the, the locals. They could point you to the Collegium District with no trouble. They send you across a, a large, paved avenue just, uh, just a little ways east of you, uh, and they say beyond that road uh, and beyond that, uh, that plaza, everything over there is the Collegium District. Uh, the Arcane Collegium itself is a collection of buildings, uh, with very strange looking brass and iron clockwork doors. Um, and so you find that without any difficulty whatsoever. Hi, you're up, Rowan. You lovely bard. Both turns. Uh, Let's go. I'm not used to speaking so much to so many people. You should branch out more, you know? Your love would talk to. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Was that a pun? I'll have you know that I'm the only one who can make puns around here, you youngin. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so as you approach, you can see that the Collegium looks like it's organized into two sort of large courtyards, and then there are perhaps um, a dozen buildings in and about these these courts. They're uh, two-story buildings, a mix of gray and yellow stucco and red tile roofs, and those very intricate-looking doors uh, that you saw from afar. So you can make your way up to one, and uh, you see a, very, uh, a, num a number of people sort of making their way about. Several of them, uh, to your eye, obviously strike you as wizards. They're wearing robes, they have uh, great stacks of books and parchments, and these bandoliers of pouches and you can smell strange uh, chemical or herbal scents that sort of follow them like a perfume, and you can see little bits of crystal and other things peeking out of their pouches, usually the, the things wizards use for the making of their magic. Rowan is getting did very they... distracted by the shiny crystals. <laughs> tell you a snap. Did, did Barber tell you his name, or...? Of, of the Trollkin, or of a... Uh... He did not. No. Unfortunately. Right, but I, I don't. For any trollkin? She's like peeping around. I, I don't think that a trollkin wizard would be that hard to find. <laughs> uh, I will say, at first glance in the courtyard, you don't see any trollkin lurking about. Is there a um, a guard or someone of uh, of note around? Um, you don't see any like city guard or anything uh, along those lines. You see, um. You see one person that stands out. Uh, he's uh, sort of um, 
a man of about average height. He's of kind of a slight, almost more athletic build, and he's wearing a garb that is very out of place. It doesn't look like the clothes that anyone else has been wearing here, and he actually has uh, sort of a cloth over his head that's held in place with this black cord that wraps around it, and he has a thick leather glove, almost like a gauntlet, uh, on one hand, and he's looking up toward the uh, the morning sun, and then he smiles, and his face is uh, sort of a rich uh, bronze-brown color, and he, uh, he smiles and holds up his arm, and a great falcon comes swooping in and uh, flutters its wings and his talons outstretched grip onto the gauntlet and, uh, and sort of settle onto it. And he reaches up and sort of scratches the bird's feathers, which fluff, and the bird turns his head toward the scratch, and he's uh, sort of talking quietly to the, uh, to the rather majestic-looking creature. Oh, now that is a fine bird you have there, sir. Uh, so he turns towards you and smiles. His eyes are very dark, and he says, Well, I thank you kindly for the compliment. Peace upon you and on your friend. Hello. May, may, um, may I put a finger on it? May I put it a little bit? You wish to touch him. Aye. He uh, sort of chuckles this uh, deep, throaty laugh, and he says, Yes, I think that should be all right. And he sort of leans, he kind of turns at the, the waist and, and presents the bird sort of towards you and says, do mind the beak. He does sometimes nip. All right. And she'll lightly touch just under the breast of the bird here. Sure. Uh, so the, the falcon kind of snaps his head to one side and then the other and his eyes blink quickly and he just sort of fixes his, uh, his gaze on you and you, you stroke his feathers no problem and he sort of shifts his stance on the man's arm a little bit. Aye, what is your name, little twee bird? And she look at the guy for his name. <laughs> this is Fahlan. Fahl- Fahlan? Alright, what's your name? Close enough. Uh, my name has escaped the, the mind of the man playing me. One moment <laughs> while, he, while he finds it. <laughs> that is weird. Uh, run. I think this bad. guy may be a little drunk as well. Maybe a little alien from him, but he's got a cute bird, so it's all right. Is it the Master Diviner? Uh, it's not the Master Diviner, no. Oh, okay. I don't know who it is. No, that would be... That I know two people. This is, not somebody, this is not somebody you guys have run into before. Uh, yeah, Glass I know possibly the, has. I know the Kobold, and I know the Master Diviner. That's it. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tilly awkwardly looks at Rowan while she's stroking the bird and looks at the guy. All right. Well... <laughs> I I best not touch it. I don't know what a bird would do if a bird pets a bird. I do I do claim I've never seen it before. He uh, he smiles and says, "My name is Kashif," and he kind of bows slightly at the waist and says, "And who might you be?" Ah, uh, well, this youngin is is Tilly, and I am. I am Rowan. He inclines his head to each of you as you're introduced, and he says, I'm very pleased to make your acquaintance this morning. Uh, is there something you require here from the Arcane Collegium? Can I perhaps direct you to that which you seek? Yes, that would be most helpful. Do you know or know of a uh, Trokin wizard? As soon as you say that, he his eyes kind of light up, and he smiles, and he says, Ah, yes, of course, Glazishin. Yes, I know him. 
I do believe he is here. Would you like me to take you to him? Oh, that would be most kind of you. Oh, please, do follow me. And he turns and uh, heads toward one of the larger buildings. Uh, so he's wearing sort of light brown and tan and off-white colored robes and these sort of billowing trousers that are tucked into these tight leather boots. Uh, looks like they would be um, excellent for riding. Uh, and his heels kind of click on the cobblestones as he leads you across the courtyard toward one of the larger buildings. And he steps up to the door and uh, looks at the falcon and says something to him in a language that neither of you speak, I don't imagine. Um, and maybe... Tilly, I would say that you would actually recognize the southern tongue. Uh, it's basically think, think Arabic. Uh, he says something to the bird and kind of gives it a push with his arm, and the falcon takes wing and flies off into the into the morning sky. And so he moves up toward the door, and he finds a rope and gives it a tug, and you can hear this soft gong note sort of reverberate from behind the door. Uh, after a moment, a little door flicks open, and he has a brief exchange with someone on the inside, and then you can hear the clattering of clockwork mechanisms from in and around the door and in the door frame. And it begins to break open in the center and slide open. And inside you can see a long stone hallway lighted with these lanterns and torches that burn with a peculiar blue-white flame. Uh, they don't give off any smoke uh, and there's no smell of, uh, of torches or burning lamp oil or anything of that nature. Uh, the ceilings are vaulted, and here and there there are little statues set into alcoves. And he looks at both of you and says, Please, follow me. I will take you to the library. I have no doubt that that is where we will find that which you seek. Tilly, very impressed by all the majesty of this place, straightening her armor and putting her shield up and walking a little taller in here to represent. All right, good. Uh, so he leads you through the hallway uh, down uh, an intersection to another corridor where there is a large set of double doors that are open into the hallway. And next to it is sort of a um, almost like a podium, kind of combination podium and desk. And there is a young human woman with her hair sort of messily pinned up into a bun wearing this sky blue robe. Uh, with a few more things that strike you as the stuff of wizardry. And she seems to be studying a book. And she uh, she looks up with these pale blue eyes, and her eyes sort of sweep across all three of you. They settle on uh, on the, uh, the man with you, and she smiles briefly and nods at him and doesn't pay you any more attention than that. He sort of bows slightly at the waist as he walks and just kind of beckons you to follow him. He takes you into an immense library. There are dark hardwood tables with benches and chairs all over. Uh, the lighting in here is a bit more subdued in general, and then it's focused in little reading areas at the tables uh, with these uh, glass shaded, green glass shaded lamps that uh, direct the light downward at whatever material someone might bring there. Um, you find the overall ambiance in here, at least the lighting, a little bit more subdued and a little bit more comfortable. Uh, in the hallway, it was a little bit stark and almost garish. Uh, the stacks of books rise to the ceiling, which is some 30 feet overhead, and it looks like farther along there's another second level, and you can see rolling ladders here and there to reach some of the taller shelves, and there are uh, a handful of wizards or apprentices going about research. Uh, and he kind of stops for a moment, listens, and then you hear this faint, Aha! Kind of echo from farther back in the uh, 
in, in the library, and he smiles, beckons once again, and leads you into the stacks. He takes you into a secondary sitting and reading area, and you can see there are two mountains of books and these rolls of parchment just sort of cascading down them. And from behind one of the mountains, you can see these long tips of tufted ears sort of wiggling about uh, from, from behind this, this obstruction of leather and parchment. And you can hear this faint muttering uh, and scratching of a quill from the other side. Yes, yes. Oh, this, is, this is exactly what we need. And uh, so he leads you up to the table and says, I am so sorry to disturb you, Glazishin. May I have a moment of your time? One, one moment. Just one, one thing. I'll be right with you. Just it's a, if you'll take one moment. And you see a finger come up sort of over top of, of the, the top of books, uh, signaling for one moment. And you hear the quill writing the last few scratches down. And then uh, I'm assuming he was sitting down. So he stands up. And so uh, Glaz uh, stands up to his full height of about a uh, bit over seven feet tall, uh, not including the tops of the ears, which stick up a little bit higher. He has his glasses. Tilly his- tries to stand even taller. <laughs> 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 and she's short for a dwarf, right? Yes. She's about four feet. <laughs> yep. He has sort of bright uh, orangish skin, but he is, uh, until he might be uh, familiar, I don't know how much you had uh, encountered Trollkin. I know you had a couple encounters, but he is a Stonehide Trollkin. So uh, he is a bit heavier built than some of the other Trollkins. He has uh, sort of a stony um, uh, consistency to his skin. And uh, these are sort of orange and red sort of modeled uh, modeled uh, looking stones. Um, and uh, he sort of looks at you. He sort of has this big tuft of sort of red orange hair. And there's little tufts of uh, there. But the biggest thing you see is his sort of round, shiny glasses and his, of course, big uh, trollkin tusks. And uh, he looks. Uh, and do I know this gentleman's name? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Kashif. Oh, Kashif, how are you doing today? Uh, where is that fine, uh, fine feathered friend of yours? Out uh, on a on a flyabout, I'm sure. Yes, indeed, he is. Yes, and I am very, very well. Thank you for asking, Glaz. And he sort of reaches out and puts a kind of affectionate hand on Glaz's shoulder, and he says, "You have visitors, if I may be so bold as to present them." Oh, of course, of course, of course. Come, come, come! And he sort of steps around the table as well, because uh, he probably doesn't see them quite readily below because uh, i don't Probably know how tall uh, rowan is but uh this, with this tall stack of books he comes around oh yes hello hello uh whose uh, fine acquaintance do i have to meet today i am a glacian carnelian it's very nice to uh to meet you and you are i i am tilly ashbreaker uh leader of her clan uh, of the uh, rivers of wolfmark way north and this is rowan uh our ruin reader uh, close to where we're from as well. Ah, hello, Just hello. Continue standing tall. So Kashif kind of st- t- Kashif kind of takes a step back and bows very slightly to all of you and says, "I will leave you to your business, and I wish you all a very fortunate day." And he turns and thank heads you out kindly, the Kashif. Thank you and your lovely bird. Alrighty. Uh, so Ro- Rowan is six foot, but she sort of hunches and and crouches over because she's old and rickety and just always, is always just looking at things. And she sort of ta- takes your hand and is sort of inspecting it. Uh, may I offer you a, a, a seat, my honoured uh, seer? Uh, 
I'm assuming that he might have a little bit of knowledge about the Raven folk. Um, and uh, if nothing else, just recognizing that this is his elder would probably offer a seat. Yeah. You um, know, yeah, you know the basics of the Raven folk. Um, yeah. Oh, please ha- have a seat. And he looks a little bit, kind of wrings his hands a little bit at Tilly, having not had good experiences with dwarves before. And uh, goes, I, and she interrupts, no worries. And she like, very crassly drags the chair over, just <laughs> across the floor and pulls it uh, uh, down. Well, well, welcome to Zobek. I, I got it. I'm fine. I would actually very much love to talk with you about the Northlands. I am from the south. I am from uh, Malion and the Fellmire. So I do not know of the Northlands much at all. Um, and it would be uh, lovely to hear more about. I know from my studies that our people have not often... Uh, Seen eye to eye on things, or often fight over territories. I, I hope you bring no ill will to you. I hold no ill will toward you, as it is not part of my heritage at all. No, no, no. I mean, your your people are definitely very honorable fighters. I've I've definitely had a, a little bit of experience with some of them, but um, I've never quite seen a wizard like you, and um, as a trolkin. But that's all right. No judgment here. Ah, well, I, I'm actually a geomancer. Uh, I am, my magic comes from the land itself. Uh, and uh, apparently, uh, he sort of kind of looks at himself and you kind of notice, and while his hands aren't dirty, they kind of always look like he's maybe been out, like they're dusty, but it's just sort of the coloration of his skin. Uh, it is a gift that I have developed from when I was very young, back out in Thelmeyer Swamp, collecting herbs. I was always able to... Uh, find what we needed by just sort of listening. It it plays to me like music. Uh, so, you have traveled far. Have you food, refreshment? Are, are you tired? Can I how, how can I help you? And what brings you here to Zobak? Rowan's just going to inspect his hands a bit closer. Mm-hmm. So she kind and of, sort of the, the raven look. lady sort of leans in and her big eyes blink as she watches your hands. Uh, simply, can you roll me a 50% chance, please, and tell me if you get high or low? So any roll any die or whatever you All want right. to do. Boop. Low. Low. All right. So as you guys are talking, you can hear this sort of crackling, this low bass crackling drone from somewhere way off elsewhere in the building. There's this uh, just sort of muffled sound of like an energy discharge almost. And uh, a second or so later, you see a few crackles of greenish energy arc along the uh, the edges of the stone and uh, along the edges of the bookshelves here. Uh, Tilly, your your skin tingles just slightly as some of the arcs crawl by you. <laughs> she shivers a little bit. Um, excuse me, what what was that? Uh, probably someone someone experimenting, Glass, and maybe some energy went awry. Happens here from time to time. Uh, at the Collegium, uh, there is much research that is occurring pretty much all over the time, and uh, once in a while, I've I must say I've been guilty myself uh, of uh, making a bit of this disturbance. But uh, you are quite safe. There's nothing to worry about. 
Uh, well, he sort of looks around and smells to make sure there's nothing to worry about. Uh, that there's no, uh, you don't, like you don't burning. smell any like, oh, yeah, you don't smell any ozone or, uh, or any smoke or anything like that. Um, about this time, I think Cloak is coming back with another stack of books that he went off to find, uh, for the topics that you guys are researching. Uh, and Tilly, so you're doing that thing where you're kind of drawing yourself up to your full height because this, um, you know, seven foot tall trollkin is kind of towering over you. And it looks like. Hey. Maybe he's starting to do that too because he's looming just a little bit more. So you kind of try to try to maybe up on your tiptoes a little bit, uh, and then that just sort of goes on, and you're getting a little frustrated. And then you realize uh, the rest of you watch as Tilly begins to shrink, and you can see a few of those faint green crackles sort of limning her like uh, like Saint Elmo's fire. <laughs> her grip is getting looser and looser on her like warhammer handle. What was happening? What happened? It looks like your things are shrinking with you. So uh, it lo- what what looked like glass kind of looming over you, now it looks like the rest of the world or the room is getting bigger. Rowan, I'm, I don't know what was in my ale at the tavern. What was happening? I might have been mistaken about the, the not being anything to be concerned about. Uh... Don't worry, it will wear off soon. It looks, uh, I'm assuming this is a, basically a, a, a enlarge, reduce, wild Essentially, something. Essentially, yes. Yep. Yes. So, uh, so Tilly, you are currently a small creature. <laughs> hmm. Wonderful. And you realize that you're, uh, you're basically shorter than the table now, and uh, everyone's just kind of looming over you, looking a little giantish. Actually, this will be kind of a nice thing for an introduction for glass oh you know what actually wait wait just one moment and so uh you see he's sort of wearing this tunic that doesn't have sleeves on it because sort of the rocky protrusions on his arms don't quite work well with sleeves but he takes off this giant moose hide and spreads it out across the table and just here i will help you just one moment and uh rome will see depending on her familiarity with uh you know with magics or or uh with what he's doing. He begins to cast, uh, dis- uh, oh, I'm sorry. I read that completely wrong. That's detect magic, not dispel magic. Never mind. That didn't happen because I don't have <laughs> dispel magic as a ritual. Do Never- you, do you happen to know, do you know in large reduce? Um, I do not have it prepared and I don't think that I do have you- it. Just say if you have it in your. Let spell me check book. in my spell book. Until right. uh, he watches this troll can yammer in my a little spell- bit. I do not have it in my spell book. Nope, sorry. I completely glanced at it and saw read dispel magic. I'm sorry, detect magic is dispel magic. Perhaps he does it anyway, though. Well, let's, let's see what's going on with you. Yes, shall we? And so, yeah, I'll All do right. detect so magic you, to see what's going on. You cast detect magic, and uh, she does indeed radiate transmutation magic. You could, uh, you could see that much. Although uh, the magic is somewhat unstable and fluctuating, but it seems like it's mostly okay for now. It, 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 this so what? What you're saying is it'll wear off, yeah? Yes, that is that is my read of it right now. It should not be a big problem. Um, if if it does become a problem, uh, there are plenty of wizards here. We can find one with no problem who can just zap that right off of you. Rowan's just going to pick Tilly up and put her up on the table. <laughs> hey! All right, so she just sort of scoops you up and clank. Plops you up on the table. Funny, that's normally Cloak's spot, as Cloak usually jumps on the table to do things. <laughs> yep, yep. About so which time... I, I, will, I will also... 
Yeah, I will also point out, Glaz, as you're looking at her, her shield and warhammer also radiate some magic. Oh! Uh, the shield the shield also radiates uh, transmutation magic, and uh, the warhammer's signature is very, very faint. You really can't get much of a much of a read off of it. It looks like maybe it once had some powerful magic laid on it, or um, perhaps says something that's dormant, something along those lines. He sort of looks and just goes, oh, and look at your shield. It is uh, is enchanted as well, and your hammer with uh, something lingering about it. Uh, we'll have to talk more about I, that for sure. I use me father's, but one day I'll tell you of all the blood it's seen in its time, yeah? Oh. All of it. I always like a good story. As a... As a, a cloak like comes comes air. hopping forward, <laughs> cloak. You can see uh, what looks like maybe a, another gnome wearing plate armor <laughs> and bearing a shield with a kind of a silver raven insignia on it is standing up on the table talking to Glaz. And there's a very old uh, raven folk woman, sort of bedecked in uh, baubles and and feathers and trinkets. Cloak, cloak, we have new friends. Come and meet them. Come and meet them. This is Tilly. She's a dwarf. She's shrinking right now. We don't know how small she will get. And here is... Uh, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. What? And, and well, here, I, is, here is Rowan. She is a raven folk. They are quite revered from the north. My Where my people are from, but not me. There, there's a, 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 a minor eye glance at the, the mention of Rowan. Um, but... Uh, what you see in front of you is like this, uh, uh, as he like puts his, the stack of books down, it's probably about like almost his height. Um, he like look is like analyzing everyone. Uh, and what you see is this, uh, uh, small figure that has a red cloak around him with a foliage that's inside of it that looks like it's almost growing, uh, with inside the cloak itself. Uh, and, uh, it, and there seems to be like the, how cloak moves it the cloak doesn't seem to move with him but it does at the same time it, it's very weird and then uh you would see a uh, uh a mask uh over his face uh that uh comes up down uh and over his like uh, uh not over his mouth but it's a black list obsidian like uh and has two giant fangs uh hanging from the the front of it um and then uh it looks decidedly draconic, like there's mm-hmm. a like a dragon visage settled over his face, and you can see between the the like forged or stylized scales, it looks like it glows with this almost molten metal kind of look from between, very faint reddish light. Rowan clacks her beak as she tries to get a closer look at you, and just sort of reaches her hand out to touch no. the mask. No, you don't just touch things. What the fuck are you doing? No. Okay, okay. I know he's a Trollkin wizard, but here, you guys want to see something cooler? Hold on. And then he would, like, take some meat out and throw it at me, like, pop off, and then throw it up in the air uh, to have Puff Puff fetch it. Um, also, her barding is new, right? So what does that look like? Uh, right. Uh, we haven't, yeah, we haven't, we haven't quite dealt with that yet. Um... So she has. Uh, all right. So first of all, you you throw a little bit bit of dried meat into the air. How high are you throwing it? Uh, like, are you just chucking it up into chucking the, it far up the air for like it's a trick that he taught her. 
Um, sure. So he's just like, yep. All right. So like 10, 15 feet yep. up that kind of deal or, mm-hmm. or something along those. All right. So he chucks a little piece of jerky up into the air and you, you have a moment to think, all right, what, what, what is this business? Uh, and then there's this sudden spray of these golden sparkles that like glitter almost that appear in the air. And this golden furred sleek hound appears out of nowhere amidst this shimmer, snatches the meat out of the air in her jaws and then lands with this sort of, uh, sort of rattling clank because she's also dressed in this like light chain barding that's, uh, that's draping over her form with a little saddle and she snaps the, uh, the meat in her jaws and swallows it happily. And she trots over to cloak and, uh, and snuffles under his hood and licks his face. And you can see that her eyes are this gleaming silver color. And she sort of stops and looks at both of you and tilts her head and kind of steps forward and begins sniffing at Rowan's hand. At this point, am I smaller than cloak? And puff puff. <laughs> uh, you're you're at this point probably about the you know roughly the same size as a uh, cloak. You're both small creatures. Um, you know he's probably a little bit more alive than you are. Uh, you know Tilly's got a, a fair bit of meat on her bones, and uh, cloak I think is a little bit more um, wiry. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's hard to tell under the cloak though, but he is more wiry. Um, so. Puff Puff is pretty big. I mean, she's like she's like large dog size, like maybe great uh, like Great Dane or a big German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. So um, she's pretty big. So uh, I would look at the both of them. And I was like, okay, you got your shirt. You saw a troll kind of wizard. Want to go? <laughs> I no. Uh... So as soon as as soon as he tries to get gold from you, Puff Puff looks at him and goes, "Yeah, okay, fine, <laughs> two gold." She begins wagging her tail. <laughs> Rowan's gonna give the, the dog a scratch behind the ears. Uh she uh she kind of uh leans her weight against your hip a little bit as you scratch her. And you can feel her tail thumping at the, the back of your thigh. I haven't seen one of you in a very long time. Tilly whispers over to Rowan. What? What is that? Uh, yes, Rowan, you do in fact, yeah, yeah, Rowan, you recognize a blink dog. Uh, this is a very special type of dog. Have you ever heard, heard tales of the blink dog? Mm, not that I remember, but you know, probably heard plenty of tales, but over ales, you never know. They say they are fey creatures from the fey wild. So well, that's what some tales say, anyway. So she says it louder. So he's a fey creature. Aye. She's pointing at Cloak, though. Dog. Not at the not at Puff Puff. Oh, oh, Cloak. Uh, um. Oh, this. I I have no idea about this gnome. Uh, where where did you procure such a an interesting blink dog, Mister? Uh, what was your name? Cloak. I don't know who, who. Why are you guys here? Short and sweet. No oh. pun intended. Cloak. Well, we were sent to find. I believe he is your friend, your acquaintance, from what we have heard. Uh, a dampier named Riordan. 
Okay, so go talk to Riordan. He's at the well, fuck house. We don't know where he is. Look, obviously, no, they do not know where he is. Well, no, he's at well. the fuck house. I mean, he's notorious for being at the fuck house. Just go to the fuck house. What? What is your problem with me? Oh, no, he's like this with everybody. Young don't no. you worry. I don't come in here in your home and ask 20 questions. I just, you know, you want Riordan. I told you where he is. But what do you want with him? This isn't, this is a, this is a library, not a home. Ah, <laughs> she's got you there. Yes, but we had to be quiet in the library, so shh. And then he, like, walks up. I, and I, walks I was going to say it. And Glass gives Cloak the biggest, you've got to be kidding, right? You quiet in the library. Your, so, uh, your Puff Puff, friend is the, going uh, to come the, visit it. <laughs> the hound kind of looks between the retreating Cloak and, and Rowan and Tilly, and then back to Cloak, and then sort of noses her muzzle up under Rowan's hand and licks her palm once, and then follows Cloak. Rowan will sneak, sneak her uh, a little bit of jerky. From her sleeve, she snatches it out of your claws very quickly, and just just inhales it. That dog is a very good judge of character. That makes me feel much better about all of this. Um, At least so, we've made one friend. Yeah. Yes, I, um, I'm the only one who keeps his cards close to his chest. Everyone else is flashing their hands around the table. Yes, so um, Riordan, um We're not playing cards, Cloak. It's a figure of speech. I know, but I like to bug you with it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, Riordan? Uh, what, what do you, what do you want with um, Riordan? Yeah. He is not... He is a bit uh, indisposed as of late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his, his maybe only friend died recently and no, but... tragically. Oh. And he is Never mind him. mourning in his own way, which is not the healthiest thing we have ever witnessed. Or I certainly have not. But perhaps what, what are you looking for him for? Uh, maybe we can something that will bring him back to us. Well... Is it drugs? No, <laughs> not not yet. I don't think no. I I am not familiar with many drugs, but uh, this, it is a long story. It is a matter of we great importance. Sent, we will say that. Aye. Well, young Tilly's home has been attacked by the vampire scourge. That empire. And they are now at war. But just before the battle, I received a vision of a one-eyed white raven. Okay. The one-eyed white raven, the same as on Tilly's shield, telling me to she, go she south. She wants her shield. And there, yep, there is indeed a silver raven emblem embossed on the plate on the front of the shield. And it has a, a big crease in the metal cutting through one of its eyes. She taps it to show how strong it is, too. <clears throat> yep. dunk, dunk. Great, great shield. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> this raven told me to go south and search for the scion of Uskre. Uh -huh. 
Do I even know Riordan's last name? Then, then told. You've probably heard it at one point or another. Yeah, you'd recognize it. Um, well, the last, the last son, yes. The last son, and we. It was confirmed to us that it was your dear friend when we met one of his former kinsmen on the battlefield. Someone that's right. He's no longer with family us. Is no. alive. No, this was just Not, uh, no, um, just another Dampier. Someone, someone loyal, someone loyal to uh, as that a, house. As a as a quick refresher, you know that uh, Ladislav, the vampire spawn you spoke to, was a member of the same faith as Riodan, but not a member of his direct family. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, but it was someone loyal. What? What do you, I don't understand? So, what? What do you want with Riodan? What's it? He's I don't know. Rowan, Rowan, tell him how tell him how bright and vivid this reading was compared to your normal ones that you have. Wotan, he is normally cryptic. My visions are never so strong, so clear, so real. Until he kind of giggles and She'll leans over and goes, she never yeah. even leaves her hut and she came all the way to my house to come and tell me. Are you a Never. Witch? <laughs> A witch? No, no, no. Rolling See, insight. I'm rolling insight right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thirteen. Thirteen? Uh, she seems to be sincere that she is not a witch. Hmm. Okay, pass that test. I would consider myself more of a seer, or even a cleric. I carry the word of Walton and deliver his truths to those who wish. But... She'll put down the the sheep's knuckle bones, and specifically the one which had um, the well tree rune, which so, has been stained with blood. So Glaz, she pulls out a pouch and dumps out uh, a re- kind of a double handful of bone carved runes, and so your eyes sort of immediately pop open oh, and you yeah. recognize many of them. And the one in particular that she pulls out is Awas. And you can see that there is this old, dried blood, like, crusted in the carving, the etch of the rune, as she sort of, she points it out to you. So, because we talked about it, I know you and I know a lot about Awaz. Uh, in Glaz's research here at the Collegium, you know, because that being one of the things that he likes to study, would he immediately recognize it? Or, and I assume he recognizes it as a rune, but will he know its meaning? Oh yeah, I mean you've you've studied the rune. You have some knowledge of the rune imparted to you by that little iron ingot. So yeah, you you recognize the we, rune immediately. Well, no, I took Awaz. This this is U tree. Mm-hmm. Hers is U tree, right? No, no, the one she's showing you is Awaz. Horses, horses, freedom, Nithingpole. That's the one I took. Oh, you took. All right, so I took, took the one right one. above it, Awaz literally in the book. A- a was his U-Tree. A was his U-Tree is the one you recognize. Um, so yeah, you, you know the general meaning of it, yeah. Oh, the world tree. Stained with blood. In this vision, my entire hut, blood, thick, fresh, potent, just seeping through the floorboards, all around me, on me, on my bones. And then the raven spoke to me. 
and the raven seemed real. I have never had a vision quite like it. Tell him, tell him about the smell of the smell of the smoke you told me about. The thick smoke. Oh, the smoke. It just filled the hut. That was from my fireplace. There's the smell of the smoke thick within. And it was intermingled with the smell of iron. It was just fire and blood and the scent of ruination. And how long have you been traveling? I do fear that if we... How long have we been traveling, Tilly? Oh, I'm probably about a week or so, maybe. Uh, since just the just the journey from uh, from Skagerholm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I know they also tried to fight their way across the Blood Kingdoms. Well, they yeah, they kind of went carefully along the uh, along the. Tell you what, let me ask my question a different way. I'm trying to see whether sure. her vision lines up to when we were messing with the black the black tree at Castle Shadow Crag. Um, as we know, as Glass knows that the the black tree is sort of a a weird, corrupted world tree thing, shadow tree, shadow it's version. Diff, it, it's very diff. It, it's probably difficult to tell exactly if that was the right time, but it's pretty damn close. It is interesting that you had to have shots of vision. Uh, the incident that I was talking about. Where Riodan's friend was lost. We were at the Stross Castle, the Castle Shadowcrag, where the Black Tree, the Black Oak, Black Oak, isn't it the Black Oak? Yeah, black I think oak. so. Where the yeah. Black Oak lives. It is a perversion of a world tree, and you have shown here. With a rune of the world tree and blood and smoke and fire, we saw a very disturbing vision. One of the walkers, the dread walkers, within a deep forest, pulled out of stasis and thrown into the western wastes, using the power of the black oak. Something like that. So the I amount would say of that most. Most of that doesn't mean a whole lot to the two of you, but it sounds very bad. <laughs> well, and the big piece that I'm going to say is, and a ley line, the shadow road. So I actually, I just need to double check on my lore here. I know my mm-hmm. little, the tiny little ley line that was over uh, when we, at the Everforge was yep. fire. And I can't recall, was the shadow road sort of corrupted by fire as well? Or was it still, um, was it its normal magic? It was its normal magic. Okay, so it was just, they were tapping the power uh, of the was, Shadow Road to make the They damned it, at and we undammed it, and now it's gotcha. like kind of... Right, so I also encountered, we encountered a portal to the City of Brass in the Realm of Fire just prior to this. So we have, we too have bumped into fire in trees and blood, our own, spilled. This, this cannot be. This cannot be a coincidence. 
I agree. Coincidences are far and few between in this world. Everything happens for a meaning. By Walton's truth, we must get to the bottom of this. What's Cloak doing during this time? He's just he's just quietly listening and like analyzing uh, the two. He he doesn't know what's up with them, um, but he's he's seeing how Glaz and Rowan are very much bleeding hearts and just giving all the information away, and he's just like, God damn it! So you said your friend is at the Folk House. Yes, the Folk House. The Silver Scabbard. It is a brothel. Silk Scabbard, not Silver Scabbard. I'm sorry, the Silk Scabbard. I know these things. Glass knows these things, even though I screw it up every time. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fuck house. You go there and get loaded. It get is drunk. a lovely oh, place I, I, of a entertainment house? of all types. We uh, we came across a, a, a barber who mentioned that potentially he had been spending great amounts of money there. Um, is he staying there now? Or is he staying <laughs> around there with you guys? She sees you scoff and she's like, when is the last time you've even seen your friend? Uh, so he avoids us uh, like the plug because uh, he's having hurt feelings. And he's like, oh, I'm so sad right now. And then we're like, oh, you can talk to us, but no, I'm going to go in the corner. And then, then he'll just disappear. And then um, he sold... Most of his belongings. I think he still has his armor. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was... I... Two months, okay. Alright. Um, but I mean, I guess we really haven't seen him. I once I see him when he when I am at the Silk Scabbard on Tuesdays nights playing games with Thalia. He does not say hello. He keeps to himself, and he looks like well, as as Cloak would say, he looks like shit. Yeah, he does look like shit. You ever seen someone who drinks way too much all the time and then really loves drugs? Hey. Yeah, that's that. No. I don't see people very He's much. wasting away. He is... I mean, so are what, you blind? What? He likes oh, waving no, in front no, of her no, eye. Only in, <laughs> only in one eye. Only in this one. Right, so are you... Mostly. Wait, did you get a message from yourself? Because you only have one eye? Oh, no. Her, oh, her eye is, is this one. My eye, the raven, is the other eye. And she like taps at her strong shieldian. Oh, look! So you took her eye? No, I didn't take it her eye. It is a sign, no. cloak. It's a sign. I realize that glass. I'm fucking oh, with you, them. If you want to know, if you want to know oh, this you story, you always look at the books. You have to look at the mystery of it. See, it's a sign. One eye on one, and one eye on the other. It's a raven person in a dwarf with a shield. It it all means something. Tilly have some imagination, ruined. cloak. Eh. Uh, I assume Glass and Glass and Cloak have this book learning versus <laughs> <laughs> intuition uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. I th- we just need facts. Well, That's all we Mr. need. Like, waiting on Mister Cloak. The fact is, you just call me Cloak. I'm the fact okay. is that 
an assassin attempted to take my life. They only left this. Okay. Um, why was the assassin trying to kill you, I guess? And Glass, I mean, you found a new best oh, friend I- because she just tells us everything and we didn't even have to, like, interrogate at all. Because well, we're in a you library do know that I am, she- I am a, I am a seer. It's my job to give you information, whether that be for woe or for well. Am I? Do I know what seers are? Or cloak? I in mean, general? sure. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, there's always someone who claims they can see the future or they get messages from beyond. Most of it's probably bullshit. Um, but you, I mean, you know better than others that there are absolutely things from beyond that can mm-hmm. whisper and impart knowledge and information. Uh, and it, I mean, Wotan is a well-known god, so okay. if she's if she's a cleric of if she's a cleric of Wotan, it's entirely possible that she can you know cast his runes and draw mm-hmm. knowledge from them. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Well, hmm. Hey, do you doubt her? What? Do you doubt her in her seeing? Oh, do I doubt her? Oh my god, I just, that, you just threw me out. I was, you're so tiny, I'm expecting like a gnomish, like, kind of dialogue, but it's just dwarf Uh, all over you. Um, I'm a dwarf, yeah? Yeah, no, (laughs) I can tell. Um, so, um, Normally I'm bigger than you. But, you know, just saying, she's stretching even bigger. Nah, really. it's all about the size here. That's, a, that's what matters. Um, so, uh, no, I'm not doubting. Um, it's called getting information because I like facts and facts are good. And they're, you know, uh, yes. But if you guys well, want to go see real then. No, I mean, I'll let you know this. We, she and I have had a close relationship for quite a while, but she doesn't normally talk to many other people outside of her own little hovel and tree. So I am concerned based on just her activity to push forward in this project or so where we're going. You don't know her, but that's the only experience I have. So um, maybe it's more, I mean, it's important at least to her, you know. The last time we had someone in our group that had visions out that has disappeared, we ended up at Shadowcrag uh, fighting whatever void being that was, uh, and that was fun, uh, super fun. Um, so this could only go up from here. As a side note, Glaz, when speaking of Shadowcrag and the Void Being, uh, you were here gathering materials to try and research those strange brass sheets that were covered in, in the very intricate and uh, specific void speech glyphs and diagrams. And it looked very much like, um, I mean, you'd almost guess pages out of a spell book is what the, the, the inscriptions on it looked like, but you really haven't been able to find much on it. Uh, the information on void magic here at the Collegium is just so scant. Uh, so it, it feels like you've exhausted the library's materials that might have been able to help you. And they don't have anyone who could even be remotely considered expert on void magic. Dan, why do you tease me with these things this way? Because I, what? oh, those void magic spells are so good and they're so dangerous. They're re- <laughs> they're real good. They are real good. Oh man! Oh man! Well, uh, do you guys want to go see your last scion? That's uh, <laughs> actually kind of funny that you know you guys need him to what stop a war. I don't know what you guys want him for. 
I I have no idea what. Maybe I'll get another vision soon. That would be very helpful. Well, perhaps it is something even bigger. Well, Clock. Maybe? I don't know. I believe it. To have had a vision so clear, it is something bigger than all of us. Wotan would not deliver his messenger upon me in such a manner just for catching up for tea. Well, I think you're in luck because me and him are probably the only ones crazy enough to go along with this. Um, so, yeah, okay. Now, you did give us a show with your uh, your beautiful dog. Puff Puff. Would you like Puff Puff? What, what a delightful name. Yes. Now, you want proof? Let me read your fortune. Do you want to read my fortune? Tilly sits down and gets comfortable. Aye. A fortune reading? I'm going to um, get out a strip of, um, of leather and lay that down and put the shape's bones on it. And I'm going to attempt to divine something that might happen to Cloak. Using your, uh, your background feature? Or something yep. specific? Okay. So you're going to attempt a glimpse of fortune. Alrighty. Can I roll Arcana while she's doing this? Sure. So this, uh, you know that this is usually a lengthy process, Rowan. Um, if you um, are... I, I, can, yeah. I can do an augury if that's easier. You can. Uh, that would be something you'd have to link that to a specific course of action someone was going to undertake. If you want just kind of a general thing, then then a glimpse of fortune is definitely the way to go. Just it's not, you know, throw a handful of bones, see what they say. It's kind of a longer process. Okay, so uh, Cloak, are you going to go along with this? She's offering to tell your future. Yeah. Okay. Um... So, why don't you? Why don't you go ahead and make me a wisdom check with your um, with your tool proficiency? So, wisdom plus proficiency bonus. Who me? Uh, Rowan. Rowan. And you can make your Arcana check. I got a ten. A ten. All right. Uh, you're fairly certain that she's not casting any sort of spell while she's doing this. So. Uh, you know, uh, take from that what you will. Maybe you would be more favorably disposed to if she was using some kind of divination magic to get information, but it doesn't look any sort of actual specific spell. Okay, that is a 19 plus 5. Ooh! Uh, 19 total or a 24 total? 24 total. 24 total, all right, wow. Uh, okay, so maybe I'll give a little bit more than the vague BS I was going to throw you. So this, uh, she kind of takes you through, it's almost like going to a psychic for a tarot reading or, or that sort of deal. Um, but she casts her, her rune bones and glass. It's absolutely fascinating. You're getting like a, like a real slice of Northland's mystic kind of tradition and culture here. So he's probably taking notes and watching everything you do. Uh, she asks you some questions. She engages you in some conversation cloak. Um, it, it's like going to a, to a psychic reading sort of deal. So probably over the course of, of getting close to an hour, she casts the bones several times, talks about various things uh, that the bones can mean, various meanings that they can have. And as what's your initial impression of this going in? What are you thinking about this whole scenario cloak? 
Uh, I just saw T. I <laughs> someone killed Cloak. No. <laughs> um, so uh, basically, uh, he he's going to uh, naturally be deceptive. Um, uh, in like when answering questions, like when when he knows it's like something that's not pertaining to him, he'd be like, "Oh, that's a totally." And then, uh, because, no, no, that has nothing to do with me. Um, and then kind of mis- being misleading the whole time, uh, because. Um, whether, and, uh, whether this is real, uh, or not, he doesn't want the actual information about him to be found out because of his race. Uh, reasons. Yeah. yeah. And so he's, he's just seeing, uh, also if she's full of shit or not, um, as well. Okay. So, so Rowan, all right. So you're kind of, I I guess we'd call it skeptical going in, but also Mm -hmm. making sure to be very guarded just in case there's anything to what she's claiming she can do. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty accurate. Okay. Uh, so Rowan, as you go on, uh, you begin asking questions, casting your, uh, casting your stones, your, your, your rune tiles. And, uh, so the things that you start to come up with, you'll start to pull little bits and pieces of insight from cloaks past. Um, and you'll tell him things about, uh, Let's see. How how would you get this? You you get from him the feeling of a happy childhood, but with a a cloud over it that for much of his life he didn't really see. And then once he did see it, he could never unsee it. And whenever that turning point came, uh, his world was taken from him. And he's been desperately trying to build himself a new world ever since then. Um... And you can kind of put this into whatever own words you, you prefer or kind of couch it in whatever symbolism or meaning you want to you want to give to it. That's fine. Uh, you suspect that his. Whoop. Oh, <laughs> thank you for the offering very much. We'll uh, we'll get to some wild magic surges here in a little bit. Um, you get the feeling that his family are all gone. Uh, his immediate family are, um, you would guess dead, but it's difficult to say. Uh, you see blood, you see death, and you get the feeling of blood staining his hands in particular. And that there's almost this general pervasive feeling of uncleanliness that, that settles around him. Um, and that might account for that dark cloud or that pall that you sense that was over his life. And for much of his young life, he didn't know about it. But regardless, it was staining him all the same through maybe no fault of his own. Um, that's what you glean from his past. Um, about his future with a 24, you definitely get a flash of insight someone close to him is going to come calling and it's going to have something to do with the blood that stains his hands. And you suspect soon, perhaps before the next full moon. Okay. I will start to relay this information to him. You have a sunny childhood, but The rain clouds and the storm soon came, and you soon noticed them. And 
then they would not go unnoticed. You wanted something new to forge something better for yourself. But you knew that the blood on your hands could not be washed. It was so stained beneath your fingernails and she'll just take his, his hand and just turn it over in hers and just inspect it. It's there beneath the fingernails in all the pores that blood will not wash off. No matter how hard you scrub. And I fear that before the next cycle of the moon, someone you know will come about that blood. That was a good try about that. Tilly's so eagerly watching, she's like pulled out a bit of bread she saved from breakfast, just like <laughs> just gnawing on it. <laughs> so how does how does uh, before you go into you know however you're gonna do what does what does cloak feel about that sort of reading he gets? I mean, it's a so he he still sees it as vague with the past. Um, so he he's curious if it if it is a sham, but uh, it's it's more with the future one. Uh, it's hard to say what that is. And he can guess what that is, but it's more, um, he's going to wait for it to see to happen to be, uh, uh, to see if it's accurate or not. Uh, just, just due to, um, what, uh, uh, just because he's, <laughs> he doesn't trust people. So, uh, he's sure. like, oh, oh, I mean, uh, uh, there was a, there was a lot of storms in the Um, my family house got struck by lightning. Uh, so, I mean, that was, that was pretty, pretty accurate. I don't know about this blood thing. Uh, I've killed people before. Um, so maybe that. Your own family, perhaps? Um. They are, they aren't, they aren't here anymore. No, the lightning killed them. Go ahead and make a charisma, <laughs> go ahead and make a charisma deception <laughs> check. And, uh, at Rowan, you can make a wisdom insight check. <laughs> Fucking 10. <laughs> <laughs> 21. Damn. Uh, yeah. Are you so sweating when... at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, so I'm just he's, rolling low. He's, he's full of shit about a lightning strike killing his family. Ah, uh, yes. I still, I still smell the lightning. Yeah. When you, uh, when you take a sniff, Rowan, you don't smell, you know, musty, dusty library book pages you smell this uh very faint perfume it smells almost like jasmine blossom it was there for just a second then it's gone there's something about you and she's just gonna clack her nails against her beak our friend Kari used to say that all the time and then scowl at me your friend might have had a point I would prepare for unwelcome visits within the next few days. But now? Maybe train. I train train your your puff puff to uh, be a better guard dog. I look at the armored dog and I was like, um, 
Yeah. She's uh she's kind of sitting on her haunches right now and her tongue is just kind of lolled out in a big doggy grin and she's just panting watching you guys. And she uh sort of licks her chops every now and then and looks at the knuckle bones. Uh, I mean, that's good advice. I always live by that because, uh, you know, uh, our house almost got destroyed by, what was that? Laz, what, what destroyed the house? Uh, it was a void, um, lightning. No, Monster. no, no. Uh, you're, 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 you're muted, Tall. Uh, you know, a void, uh, apparition of some sort that was nasty piece of business. Uh, it took us almost a month to get, uh, everything rebuilt. Yeah. Uh, that cost me a platinum piece. Uh, Tilly, the wood of the table begins to groan under your weight a little bit as the magical effect that had shrunken you seems to be wearing off. And the, uh, the your full weight is re-exerting itself. And you kind of start to stretch up over the pile of books <laughs> up on uh, the table. Look, here you are back to normal. See, I told you it'd be fine. Tilly very awkwardly starts to like shuffle off, like knocking books. Oh, excuse me, sorry, sorry, I didn't. Oh, excuse me. armor uncomfortably coming out at a different rate, so it's a little little tight at first. Oh, God. oh um, what are we rolling? Uh, the the wild magic surge on. Uh, they're already they're already covered. It's on the the big table that encounter roleplay uses. No, what what are we using to roll it? Oh, uh, I don't know. I've, uh, I've I, when I rolled one, I just found a random. I I just I just googled a random number generator. Oh, that works. Okay, hold on. Oh, so you've already rolled them for us? Yeah, yeah. It's also. Oh, yeah. We, oh, okay, oh, so we don't need okay. to roll anything. Great. Okay. Yep. No, those are all set. Um. Right. So, uh, with a great crash and clanking of her plate armor, Tilly kind of shuffles herself and hops down off the table. Her boots kind of trump on the on the carpeted floor. She awkwardly kind of picks up the books. Put this book. Is this this pile or is this this? Pile? Oh no! Here, I I've got it. Thank you, thank you so much, thank you. And uh, Glass takes it and it puts it back because he has his own little method of sorting, which makes no sense to anybody but Glass. And now that she notices that she's actually taller than Cloak, she's like, oh, this is not you're like, yeah, very good, very, very good. <laughs> Excuse me, just stretching. Oh, I'm so tall. <laughs> then, then you, you see him, and he like kind of like jumps up, like glasses, like shoulders, and like sits on it. And he's like, "Yeah, that's so tall." Oh, oh, yeah, that's pretty, yeah. I, all right, the fuck off, right? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> yeah, the fuck off. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, what time of day is it? All right. Uh, oh, it's morning. It's not even. Oh, he's not, not going to be up for yet. hours. <laughs> uh, either that, or he's still up from the night before. Oh, that is, yes, that is, we've seen that happen as well. But uh, yeah, I let's, don't think let's that go he check will it out. see us regardless. You, you think your friend will have a problem? Um, you, you were mentioning that you hadn't seen them in a while. Um, is there anything we should be prepared for or should we should take as a method of persuasion for this, for this person? Do you have any drugs? Uh, that's why I asked. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any drugs? I can make a strong brew, but that's about it. No drugs, no. Make a strong brew? But that will take some time. Brew. brew. Oh, brew. Like ale, okay. Beer. I mean, he, he'd go for a burp, too. Oh, or, like, you know, whatever. But... wine, though. The, 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 the fancy, very expensive. Well, actually, he's been eating, drinking the, the, the keg bottom lately because he's 
well, actually, we could bring turpentine. I'm sure it would be just fine because I don't think he can taste things anymore. It looks Nine, like and can... don't waste a good brew on him, no. Uh, uh, what else can we take for him? You say good brew, and glass rose looking kind of looks at. <laughs> Ooh, are you into the mead and ale and brew and beer? I'm I'm a mead man myself, actually. I am a very big she fan. Just, she just said the magic word. <laughs> I I don't have any honey on me at the moment, but I could uh, see if we can make, procure some oh, and make some for you after a little while. It'll be, take time. Oh yes, we could we could, we could set it up back at uh, Miss Kettle Whistles. It'll be wonderful. Kettle whistle. Uh, give me That's a Twitter stuff. Kettle bomb, kettle whistle. Get a whistle, right? I got it right. No, you got it yes. right. Yes. Oh, yes, that's where we right. stay. She is, uh, she is uh, our landlord, our landlady, Miss Kettlewittle. She she makes a mean set a stack of pancakes for mornings. I have not pancakes since I was a wee lass. Ah, we'll have well, to try that one. Have you had pancakes for breakfast rolling? one morning? It'll be wonderful. Have you eaten yet? Uh, she she considers saying no just to get another meal in. Uh... <laughs> I. I can go get for more after a while. Well, perhaps next tomorrow morning we can we can we can go. I'm sure. Not sure if she's still cooking. Of course. Usually, if you show up hungry at Miss Kettlewittle, she just starts cooking right away. It's a wonderful thing, really. Well, I mean, she does because we stay there. Get, no, no one can show up. I mean, you have to come with us. Oh. You- I don't know. I do believe you just invited us to go. Oh well, yes, of course. And well, you, yeah, she I elbows mean, him. Well, I stay there too. Oh, yes, we'll we right. share a house. So we'll go. Don't like Miss Kettle Whistle. She's, well, a, she's a halfling. She's is lovely. there anything else we could need to do here in Zobek where you all have just arrived? Or uh, we probably need to find you a, a place to stay as well. Um, Aye. Aye, we just arrived today. Or do you, do you need to find the other things? I. Uh, he looks at Rowan having watched this whole thing that she just did on the table. Do you know anything about void magic, my dear? Void magic? Uh, Uh, So, Rowan, you know, uh, you've heard stories, uh, of course, of the outer darkness from which Wotan originally stole the knowledge of the runes. Um... Most creatures who are touched by it are um, corrupted, are, are taken by it, and it is dangerous, dangerous magic. Uh, you know that it's, it is inimical to life and even existence in many ways, and the practitioners, the cultists who, who learn the sort of blasphemous syllables of void speech can, with just those words alone, cause terrible things to happen to people and things around them. Um, and you know that some of the greatest dragons, some of the first and most powerful dragons of Midgard, uh, they flew far uh, into the dark, into the darkness between stars, and they uh, lost themselves in many ways to to the outer darkness. There, um, it's basically bad news start to finish, but it's incredibly powerful, and it can do things easier, faster, or even more possibly than conventional magics can. I don't know what exactly you want with the void, and that magic it is. It will corrupt you. 
It's powerful, but at what cost? That is what I fear. It is, I believe, what we are up against, though. Uh, and he sort of points to these brass sheets. Uh, these little... Do you bring bring one of them out? Yeah, I'll bring one of them out. Okay. So he pulls out this uh, this kind of largish square, uh, not, not quite square, just slightly off rectangular, uh, sheet of hammered brass. It's very thin, uh, and it's inscribed with these horrible glyphs in uh in these great paragraphs and these strange arcane eldritch diagrams and the brass is pitted and blackened in places you can see that it's corroded and corrupted um and the cloth that he's had wrapped around it has actually begun to sort of brown at the edges and is becoming threadbare you don't want to look at it for very long that's for sure and uh, it looks like i need to get another cloth for it it is it corrupts everything it touches. I cannot... The Arcanum, the Collegium, does not have much information. We we don't know how to counter it. So, you guys, I assume you've been asking around and looking for resources on that? Yes. Uh, yeah, no, Glass would have been... Possibly Cloak. Yo, Glass, he asks anybody everything. Just... <laughs> yeah. Hey, Glass, what you working on? Oh, it's very fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Uh, I mean, I probably would have started yeah, with okay, the arch, with so. the diviner, with the master diviner, who... Do, and even if the master diviner might have heard that he was looking into such things, assure, to, to assure the master diviner that, no, he's still a geomancer, he's... But he... So, Rudwin Whitstone would definitely have checked up with you if you went to him or if he got wind that you were and probably everyone in the collegium knows that you have these things if you've talked about it uh and it makes a lot of people equal parts excited and nervous um uh yeah the diviner would have checked up with you and kind of made sure that you were okay and and after satisfying himself that you're you know not delving into diving into actual void magic and and twisting yourself then he'll kind of back off a bit um but yeah you haven't you haven't come up with any any promising leads as of yet uh, got it just wanted to check check in on where you were at with that in your yeah, head and glass would be Continue. very careful about all of this because he seeing the dread walker something that could move a dread walker you know and having felt the power of the shadow road and knowing that this was somehow blocking all of that power has him very curious, but probably more concerned than curious. So, and having seen what it did to the table with just the one little rune that uh, Kari did. I mean, so it's not like he's just like, Hey, it's white magic. Everybody have some. No, I mean, he's yeah. very, you know, he's, he's very okay. much. So he's, is, Probably even careful not to like being a little more discreet whole... about it. I'm sorry. Or... Okay. Like being a little more discreet about it. I think he, you know, it's glass levels of discreet. So that's, you know, but okay. I think what I'm saying is, is that whenever he's studying it, I think he, he never just like whips one of these out. He probably just pulls back little portions of it to try to study, but knows that when you look at it in its complete form, that that's when it sort of has its power and, you know, begins to suck you into it. Probably had some close calls, but... So, 
Yeah. So even that little bit that he showed you, Rowan, on the brass sheet, you really those glyphs. It's like they slide off of your understanding like oil on water. You can't really make any sense of them. But looking at them, you can almost feel them begging you to read deeper and read more and to understand and to know. And and you hear this like ringing in your ears, maybe like uh, like might happen if you suddenly exerted yourself. And, you know, your blood pressure kind of spikes up from that. You have this this uncomfortable pressure and ringing in your ears after looking at that sheet. Put that away. I, I will not read it. I, I do not recommend it at all, but that's, this is what we face. If it is somehow connected to your vision, the Black Oak, the Dreadwalker, and the void, the place of the ancient dragons, as you spoke of. Have you ever heard the tactic know thy enemy? Know thy enemy, but also do not let yourself be tempted by your enemy. Oh, I ain't tempted. Glass ain't either, I don't think. These ruins beg to be read. I will not look at them, but I think maybe you might find some information, or hopefully some information, were you to seek out more of Wotan's tongue, some more of his church. He did steal the runes and the knowledge from the void. He might know something and... Well... Someone who is not simply an old raven woman might know more. Um, I mean, there's a temple district here in Zobek. Are there temples to the northern gods here? Um, I mean, there might be small shrines. Uh, Wotan has uh worship and he's his worship is represented uh outside of just the northlands um so it is entirely possible there's a there's a small shrine to uh to his worship somewhere here you haven't really looked perhaps i i know not of a large temple uh here it is mainly to uh clockwork lady uh Rava. Mainly to Rava, but uh, perhaps we could go to the Temple District and see if we could find some followers of Wotan who might be more learned, as you suggest. Aye. That's not, not a bad idea. So, Temple District, Folk House, and then Pancakes. Is that our order of business today? <laughs> uh, that sounds good to me. <laughs> Well, for lunchtime, she's better. She usually does the waffles, but waffles, and you can feel the holes with the honey the whole time. Ah, yes. And sometimes she puts chicken on it. And it's really good. Chicken, aye, that sounds so good, like a salty and sweet mix. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> All right, so you guys are are taking your leave and heading to the temple district to go and see if you can find worshippers of Wotan. Uh, yes, sure. 
Okay. Uh, all right. So as you guys are on your way out, the uh, the young woman at the podium, uh, at kind of the uh, the inf- sort of information desk, sort of that you might uh, call at the at the entrance to the library, she uh, she reaches out and says, "Oh, glass. Here, I have something." Oh, for you. yes. She uh, she shuffles through her papers and pulls out a little slip of parchment, and uh, she said, uh, "Model, drop this off for you." And hands you the parchment. Model, you know, is one of the Cobalt apprentices. Uh, he is a alchemist, or perhaps a, a student of transmutation magic. And he's called Model because his scales have all been, uh, many of them have been discolored by all the chemicals and strange substances he works with. And uh, some of his experiments occasionally go awry. Oh, Model, how is he doing? Is uh, he, Did he look well? Oh sure, uh, he smelled a little weird, but that's, well, that's you know, kind of that's, that's pretty model, standard. So, so uh, he's probably up to something uh, something interesting. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, so we'll take it and take a look at it. Okay, so uh, you open it up and you can see in this um, the handwriting is kind of hurried and sloppy, and it has a, a peculiar mix of some draconic uh, influenced characters as well as trade tongue common, uh, and it reads very simply. Um, uh, plates, question mark, painted man might know, Black Lotus, and Black Lotus is underlined. Okay. Got it. Oh, well, that's, we we might have a lead after all. Uh, We will add it to the list, perhaps after waffles. Uh, And, uh, but, uh, I, Temple District, I, 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 I assume, uh, would be the place where to go, uh, Mr. Rowan. Uh, it is yeah, quite a distance go, from here. Are you, to... Do we need to get you a – are there like uh, – like, uh, I can't think what they're called. Uh, the little um, – oh, people who care – two wheels, people run between the front of them. Um, a rickshaw, are like little rickshaw type rickshaw. carts or things for people who might not camp. I mean, there are there – are... There are carriages that you can hire uh, that that travel like taxi style around the city. So yeah, you can absolutely hire a carriage. Or uh, for all of you, you definitely want a full carriage. Yeah. Uh, it is quite a quite the ways uh, other side of the city. Uh, in fact, uh, shall we get the carriage? Uh, sort of looking to Rowan. Uh, it would help if that wasn't me. I I uh I can't. Very far. It's already already been such a long day. Yes, if you've come in from the docks, My I'm sure you've already hiked old. quite a bit. Let let us get a cart, and uh, Glass will uh, summon a, a, a cart to uh, take us cause across the city. I think is like a, it's a it's a ways, right? Temple District's like the whole other side, it's right? A, it's a good, it, it, yeah, I it's think a good so. Ways, yeah, yep. Um, yeah, because it's over by the Gear District. Yeah, South Gate. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, and Collegium's on the north. And remember that the uh, remember that the directions are yeah, it's sideways. North, yeah, is, north is north is to the right. North yeah. is to the right. <laughs> yep, north on the map is always to the right, as they say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so if you guys want to go to the Temple District, it is all the way on the other side of the city, up against the south wall. Um, now Zobek isn't that big, but it is a long walk, and it's starting to get up into noon and a little bit more heat of the day. It is uh, actually it's been a couple of months, so it's probably only barely late spring anymore, starting to get into summer. 
So it's starting to get a little warmer and more humid, particularly after the rainstorms like you've been having. So you guys can uh, flag down a carriage, no problem, and uh, and have them convey you from the Collegium District to the Temple District. So is there anywhere in particular you want to go, or are you just going to kind of search to see if you can find Wotan worshippers? Um, I'd probably search. Yeah, just going to go and check it out, maybe ask for directions, or just kind of walk and see what you can see. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, like talk to locals, uh, as I'm walking around the temple district when we get there, um, seeing what information I can find out and then kind of like scouting around. Uh, and then if I find something out or if I locate it, I will get on puff puff and ride back to everyone. Okay. Uh, so you guys head out there. Uh, the main temples you're going to find are to Lada, the golden goddess, uh, goddess of healing, love and mercy. Um, uh, Rava the goddess of gears and clockworks. Um, Ninkash, the goddess of beer. No kidding. <laughs> uh, there's a large temple to Urilla and Porvit, the green gods, the twins. They're, they're one of the older gods, older elvish gods, who are actually still worshipped generally across Midgard. So they're uh, gods of uh, uh, fertility, wealth, um, forests. They have kind of a, a dual portfolio there. Uh, there's also a large temple to Perun, uh, the Lord of Lightning, and there's some suspicion that this might be uh, to the north to, to our Northlanders. Perun, once you hear about him, it sounds like a mask of Thor, so probably just worshiping Thor by a different name. Battle and thunder, and you know, you, you guys know that music. Uh, and the other main uh, large temple you'll find is Voland, the Lord of Fire who is uh, a smith, forge, uh, and marriage god. Uh, and that's one of the larger dwarven faiths that are represented here in, uh, in Zobek. And there are a myriad of smaller shrines and, and littler temples, but those are the big ones that are kind of scattered across the city. Uh, and I'd say after a couple of good hours searching through the temple district, with uh, particularly with Cloak and Puff Puff doing some outriding uh, away from you guys, to, to sort of increase your your search area, it doesn't look like there is any sort of organized worship of Wotan here. Hmm. What matter, matter of backwards town is this? I mean, the bacon that we had earlier was definitely a little overcooked. I should have known. They didn't have a temple for Odin here, but that's all right. <laughs> Maybe start a temple? Well... I wonder if there's any um, small groups. I was going to say we can find. Yeah, but perhaps. But I know you are looking for someone who is of great esteem. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to find someone of greater connection to Voltan than yourself. You give this old bird too much credit. But can you? Maybe we. We, we can ask him what he has to say about the void magic. Uh, Cloak, from some of your dealings in Zobek in the time that you've been here, you know that there, in addition to smaller saints, who are smaller saints and lesser gods who are worshipped, there are also some shadier religions that are kept quite on the down low. For instance, you suspect there's probably a reasonably widespread cult of Mammon, the archdevil of greed. 
that lurks throughout the richer quarters of Zobek. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you guys know for sure that there's at least a, a shrine to Morena, the, the Red Maiden, uh, hidden somewhere in Zobek. Uh, there are probably lots of other smaller faiths like that. Uh, one of them that you do know about that's not so much hidden is the worship of Kors, the sun god, because there are even a small member of the Order of the Undying Sun, which are uh, a, a knightly order, and many of them are paladins who are sworn to the Oath of Radiance yeah. to fight against the corruption of shadow and undeath. But they're a, they're a very minor faction. Can I roll... Uh persuasion as i'm talking to people to see if i'm able to gather any information about uh about worshippers of wotan who might be yeah around. like a uh like a a place of worship for wotan or worshipers sure go ahead and make me a charisma persuasion check all right at advantage all right that was really good that was at advantage uh i rolled uh 19 plus one so 20 Oh, 19, 19 right. plus, uh, uh, yeah, one, Never mind. One. Okay. 20. All right. So the, uh, the, the wheedling cajoling gnome, uh, you are able to determine that there are at least a few individuals worshiping Wotan. Uh, so it's possible that they have maybe a shrine where, where some of them meet up together rather than just their own personal veneration, say in their home somewhere. Um, but you think it might take you a while to, to search for it and locate it. Yeah, I, I'd i be like, well, I mean, as far as anything I found out, it, it just seems like a lot of people have, like, personal shrines to Rotan in their house. There's not, like, a temple here. Well, perhaps we should maybe follow up on Motel's lead then. Um, he said that there's someone who might know something at the Black Lotus, but I'm not familiar with the Black Lotus. Are you? What, what is this Black Lotus? Uh, Cloak, you've heard of the Black Lotus. It's a curio shop in um, down near Lower Zobek, kind of where it meets the market district down by the river. Oh, yeah, that's uh, uh, by the market district. It's a shop. Well, What sort of things do they sell there? Do you know? Have you heard anything? Black lotuses. Just all black lotuses, all right. It sounds like a very profitable business, sure. Ah. Just wall-to-wall beta black lotuses, yeah. Well, uh, that is just across the main thoroughfare here. Uh, we can have our uh, carriage take us that way. Oh, sure. Good. Yeah, you guys want to head to the black lotus? Tilly's stomach growls. Aye, that's fine by me, Rowan, whatever you ah, There's so much good so outdoor at food at the probably... market district as well. <laughs> there are food carts I, I everywhere. I like it's not on the wind. Yes, okay. there, there is all manner of food. So uh, it's probably at this point, after you've been kind of scouring the temple district, uh, you are quite hungry at this point. You've sort of missed lunch. Uh, so you can scavenge some food from the street vendors in the market oh. on the way to the Black Lotus. There are and these fried like... dumplings that are filled with little meat. Don't ask what the meat is, but it's so good. Uh, that is really good. But if you really want to check out uh, a place uh, with a lot of good brew, you should go check out the Sisterhood. The Brewer Sisterhood. She's like... Taking mental notes about everything. Just give me meat. Okay. Uh, Rowan, you can find some delicious meat on a stick. 
and uh, you can find all manner of, of good food, whatever whatever strikes your particular fancy. Uh, easy grab-and-go kind of street food. Yeah, Tilly points at the hut that uh, looks things. like dumplings. Are these the dumplings you're talking about over here? Those are the ones glad. Oh, yes, these. <laughs> they are delicious. She gets a whole bag of them and hops back in the cart. All right, now I'm ready to go. All right. Okay, uh, so you guys head down to the Black Lotus. Um, it is just kind of a plain storefront in a two-story building. There's a simple wooden door with a, uh, a big street-facing window, and on the glass, printed in, uh, in sort of gold paint with a, or black letters with gold border, is in common, and then below that in draconic. And then below that, in another language that you don't recognize, these very strange pictographic kind of characters. And it proclaims the Black Lotus. I walk on in. Yep. You push open the door, and there's a little teeny bell that jingles up at the top that the door sort of bumps into on the doorframe when you open it up. Uh, so you open it up, and inside there's this, uh, this smell that hits you. It's sort of a combination of old dust and spices, just this melange of various different aromas that mix together. It's like almost like walking into a spice shop. You can't really pick one from the other. It just all kinds of blends into this heady atmosphere inside there. Uh, and you can see there are shelves and cases, and there's just all kinds of little things in here. There are little um, trinkets that look like uh, they have... Uh, Little porcelain statuettes, uh, there are little bits, uh, little forged metal bits and carved stones. There are uh, bundles of herbs hanging in glass cases uh, in very orderly little rows with some uh, handwritten labels next to each one's. Uh, just like everything you can think of, any sort of little hole-in-the-wall kind of uh, curiosity shop. Just all kinds of stuff in here. Uh, and as you come in, you can see that there's a counter in the back that uh, it kind of has a glass display case built into it. And there is an individual behind the counter. He's a very fat man wearing this silk robe. And his hair, which is black and kind of receding, is slicked back. And his face is painted white. And then his eyes have this black liner. And his lips are sort of picked out in this bright garish red. Think almost kabuki makeup. Mm -hmm. And he uh, and he sort of perks up from where he's seated behind the, the counter and looks over toward the door and says in this sort of piping voice. But when he speaks, there's not any trace of an accent whatsoever. His tones are just kind of geographically or linguistically neutral, like a blank slate. And he says, ah... Hello, my friends. Please, please come in and welcome to the Black Lotus. Oh, huh? Is there anything in particular for which you search? My friend, a kobold uh, at the Collegium, uh, name of Mott, often smells pungent, uh, perhaps knows you and thought that you might be uh, helpful in something that I am researching. So he purses his lips and he taps this one long 
kind of fine boned despite the the weight he carries finger against his his uh, garish red lip and he says mot oh you must mean mottel of course a delightful little fellow he's been a wonderful customer there are things that he requires for his experiments that i'm only too honored to help him find i hope he is well uh, yes uh, apparently he's working on something new that smells just as good as these normal experiments. Uh. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. I'm so very pleased he sent you to me. Please, please come in. Come in and make yourselves at home. Can I, can I roll perception? Yeah, what you looking for? Anything in particular or just kind of a general read? General read um, of that and kind of an insight on him as well, if I can do that. Um Okay, which which one do you want to do? Are you trying to read him, or are you trying to scan the place? Uh, I'm going to hold my insight. Uh, I'm going to scan the whole place first. Um, okay. I'm going to wait for him to start telling us stuff before I give an insight roll. Sure. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and make me a, a perception wisdom perception check. Uh, I rolled a twelve plus three, fifteen. A fifteen. Um. All right. So. You can see, yeah, let's see, there's lots of shelves lining the walls. There are several freestanding rows of shelves on either side of the the large room. Um, You can see a double doorway at the back wall that leads to probably another, you know, another area of the building. Um, Yeah, is there anything in particular you're, you're wondering about or wanting to know? You don't see anything like a secret door or, or anyone uh, like lurking and, and watching you in the shadows or any of that. Yeah. Um, it's more what he oh, I'm sorry, has. Uh, I'm sorry. It's not a, it's not a door along the back wall. It's a beaded curtain hanging in a doorway. Okay. And is it like there's the counter and then the beaded uh, door is behind it? Yeah, more or less. Okay, okay. Uh, so he's just. Uh, I'll uh, just no, be looking around. No, no, no. Around. I'm sorry. It's 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 to the side of the counter. It's not behind it. So you could theoretically walk up to it if you wanted. Yeah. Um. So looking around at the knickknacks and all that kind of stuff, I'd be like, and just walk in. Like straight into the as, as curtain, or. Um. Yeah, or but I'm also going to roll stealth. Okay, go ahead and make me a dexterity stealth check. And so I'm not trying to be stealthy. I just I'm seeing how <laughs> the odds of him being distracted by talking with glass. He just doesn't notice me. Uh, so an eight An eight. Uh, OK, so you just kind of beeline for the curtain or are you trying to be more discerning about it? Well, as he's like talking to glass, I would just be like walking around and like looking at stuff and then notice like the curtain and just uh, be like, oh, and then uh, just walk my way in there. All right. So as you, you start to push through the beaded curtain, there's a pretty loud clattering as the strands of beads click and clash into each other. And he looks over and he says, uh, please, I would prefer if you remain in the public uh, display area of the shop rather than nosing around the storeroom. If there's anything you're oh. looking for that isn't on the shelves, I will be only too delighted to help you. Uh, merely tell me what you seek, and I shall bend all of my powers to assisting you. Uh, I just thought there was another part of the store, my bad. Oh, certainly. No, no. Uh, that is a, a simple misunderstanding, and there is no problem whatsoever. Okay. Uh, Glass will. Is there, or is there anyone else in the shop other than us? No, 
other than other than you and and this fellow who uh model referred to as the painted man uh no nobody else i am doing some research uh it is uh, something that there seems to be quite a gap in the knowledge base uh, here in Zobak and uh, quite uh, quite a bit so at the Collegium uh, in our recent... His uh, his eyes sparkle a bit when you say that. And he sort of leans forward, propping his elbows. Oh, Glass will lean top. lean forward as well because now it's like, you know, it's like two scholars, uh, you know. So, uh, in our travels recently, uh, we have bumped into, and he sort of leans over. It seems we have stumbled across a bit of void of magic. Oh, how scandalous! Right, I know. I mean, it, it is horrible stuff. Uh, we watched it all but disintegrate the table right in the middle of the library. It was, uh, it was, it was quite a scandal. We were very lucky that. Uh, 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 my good friend's cobalt friend did not come and throw us out and ruin our and throw away our rip up our library cards, um, but I am pleased to hear that didn't oh, happen. Right, as well. right. It would have been horrible, but uh, needless to say, there is not much research anywhere now. Of course, it makes sense. You know, you wouldn't want to keep something that corrupts basically everything that it touches in one of the greatest collections of all of magical uh, knowledge outside of Bimia. You know, I am from Bimia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because as all Bimian scholars he, uh, do, he narrows, how do you know scholars from Bimia? They he, tell you within the first couple minutes. They'll tell you about it. So he uh, he sort of narrows his eyes and he looks uh, looks over you and says, "Yes, yes, I do believe you are." So I was wondering, as my good friend Mottle, uh had suggested, that perhaps. You might have some uh, information about uh, void magic, and uh, perhaps even some, maybe something that was commissioned recently. So his uh, his the tip of his tongue kind of darts out over his lip, and he places his uh, his fingertips to his chest, and you can see that his fingernails are very uh, skillfully manicured, and there's just this faint lacquer on them it's not really colored but it has a little bit of an iridescent sheen when the light catches it uh and he says well there are many things that i know of and anything i don't know of i can probably find so what is it that you're looking for specifically well are you looking for information on some void magic spell you saw cast or have you found some sort of relic that you wish to know about? Um, a little of both. How deliciously fascinating. I don't suppose you have the relic with you. I would dearly love to see it. Glaz will now do an insight check. <laughs> okay. Because it's not so much that he knows whether or not someone's good or bad. It's whether or not someone's going to take his thing away from him. Take his toy away. Sure. You go ahead and go ahead and make a. Rowan's getting close to the the desk and is saying, "Looking, but no touching." Uh, he he sort of um makes kind of a little pout with his lips and oh well, I suppose we'll see. Uh, all right, how'd you do on your insight check, Glass? Just a twelve. A twelve. Um, he seems very excited. Uh, he seems only to, it looks like he's almost 
pulling at whatever it is you need that he can help you with. Uh, you don't get the sense that he wants to take it from you, but he is very excited okay. to see it. Um, Glass will take out one of these carefully wrapped uh, brass plates, and as he's done in the past, uh, just sort of pulls back over one corner, just partially. Go, I dare not reveal the entire inscription uh, without more knowledge of what all it could possibly so he uh he looks down at the the corner that you reveal and he says oh i do so very much appreciate your concern but i won't be able to tell you much from that mere corner may i and he sort of gestures down toward the the parcel so the second part he makes no move to pick it up Um, he makes no move to glass will allow it because well i think the second part of my insight would be do I think that, especially with my new friend Tilly, that we could take him if we needed to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, magic I, I users, mean, I know for for yeah. all of for all of your read on him. I mean, he just seems like a, a man who really enjoys good, rich food, and you don't get any sense of magical power okay. off of him. You but never know. If someone doesn't display it, that that doesn't really put itself on display, exactly. if you know what I mean. Uh, Tilly, what are you doing during the, this exchange? Just a check-in. Uh, Tilly, honestly, has been trying to make her way through the aisles of the store without knocking stuff over with her bit of side sure. paunch. And then um, once Rowan approached the counter, I think Tilly set aside her oogling, noggling over anything around and just paid attention to what Rowan was saying. And I believe as like as kind of a reactionary thing, as soon as uh, the guy starts reaching forward, seeing how concerned Rowan is, Tilly's going to get prepared to make a noise and a ruckus to distract the guy if he gets too too close to disrupting Rowan's request and not touch it. Okay. Like I will knock uh, stuff no over problem. in the store to distract him. <laughs> so he he kind of reached toward it, but then stopped, and then is asking Glass for permission to to open it. I'll open give permission, but which... one of the things I will also do because I know that it. Uh, thwarted it before he does get the lantern out and is ready in case he needs to re- uh, have the lantern and use the heart of fire to dispel whatever void okay. darkness might emerge in the examination if he somehow activates it uh, remember that was mostly with the shadow pearl not so much with with uh, those things but a, a little bit now the magical light does have various right i, just, I thought so it wasn't in the library that i ended up happens dumping that well it was because it was on a sheet of paper it, uh right it well you up the sheet you, of paper. you burnt the you bur- you burnt the paper and the runes that Got were it. like creeping yep, onto the table mind. yeah that cer- that certainly did that and then if you recall it also became a little elemental created thing, yeah. or conjured a a corrupt fire elemental that you guys had to kill yes uh all right so uh you pull out the lantern which i assume is the yep, shutters are, are closed it's just i have it handy it's almost sort of just his own little comfort piece so it's it's almost nonchalant yeah, just, like sort, of you just sort of loosen the lantern as though yeah when i'm getting in it so his his eyes his eyes which now that you're up close you can see his eyes are green a very kind of uh odd shade of green he, his eyes flick over to the lantern, note it, and then move back to the parcel. And so once you give your permission, he very carefully reaches down and begins unwrapping the, the cloth that uh, that hides the, the sheet. So those of you who are nearby, once again, you can see those those blackened blasphemous runes and sigils and uh, and diagrams etched into this metal page. And he his breath catches and he says, my word. 
Oh, this is beyond anything I could have hoped to see. I, I'm sorry. What, what, what is your name, friend? I, I am Glaz. Glaz is in Carnelian. Glaz, it's such a delight to have you in my humble shop. Uh, this is. May I? May I? And he kind of reaches down toward the the sheet, like he's gonna Can slip his fingers in? under it and pick it up. Yeah, you want? What Can do you want to do? I want to roll insight on what's going on with them when the runes come out or the, the sure. word stuff comes out. Yeah, you can make a wisdom insight uh, check. Um, Bron's going to prepare to... Six! Bron's going to uh, prepare to grab his excited. hands. As he reaches for it, I think uh, Tilly's going to kind of lightly slam her hand over against the side of a counter. Oh, God, sorry, sorry, sorry. I couldn't... Oh, oh she tries uh, to pick up stuff. Bron's going to insight. Are you all right, my dear? He he kind of snatches I, his hand back from the sheet and looks over at Tilly. I yeah, I some some of these things are very fascinating to look at. Like this little bit of jewel over here, this is pretty nice, yeah. I, I. Oh <laughs> yes. That that was a very interesting piece that I actually acquired from a trader on one of the flying fortresses of Sikkim. Uh fifteen on insight for Rowan. Rowan, um so he is very excited. Uh, and it does look like uh, he is going about his um, interaction with this artifact very, very carefully and respectfully. And he, you'll, he's not making any move without checking in with Glass and seeing if it's okay. Um, you get the feeling that he certainly knows something about this piece. What is it that you know? Oh, I... If I'm correct, I do believe I know what this is, and I am somewhat surprised only to see one of them. He uh so he he kind of he kind of he kind of looks to you again one more once more and, and kind of reaches toward the sheet. Yeah, it's glass and he's terrible at hiding anything. Well I do have the other as well. Uh, well no. Ah, oh, goddammit. <laughs> Uh, so when when Cloak uh, when Cloak gives a little oath, the the painted man tuts a little, and he looks over and he says, "No, please, please, my my friend, um, I promise you nothing if not absolute discretion. I am most meticulous about protecting my clientele. You need fear no scrap of information passing beyond these walls. I give you my word." Oh, and that's, that's good bad. enough for that's Glass. I a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I can I roll insight on that comment? Sure. I rolled a crit. <laughs> nice crit failed. <laughs> I, so what's your nat total? twenty. Nat twenty. I'm just, I'm just teasing you. Woo! What's your total? Uh that would be uh, for insight twenty three. Uh he seems. Uh, perfectly sincere. He seems that he okay. um, he didn't take offense to your trying to shush Glaz, but uh, he definitely noted the concern there, and he sort of very much wants to set that at ease. And it seems like he's on the up and up that uh, he takes it very seriously. Um, so I would uh, uh look at him and say, like, "It's you know, like I can tell that you're a man who works with discretion. That's fine." The issue is, is that he sort of this nods shit, his thanks. I said, like, this shit drives people crazy. Uh, and oh, most came, certainly it does. I'm very impressed that you're all not stark raving mad. 
Oh, that's because we saw our friend get ghost start raving mad for a little bit. And then uh, then we saw some dude with black teeth uh, spit a bunch of shit at us, and his words made me feel dirty. Um, oh, he and, was yeah, he was um, actually speaking the void tongue. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, no. I'm most sucks. impressed. I'm most impressed that you were able to face down a void speaker and come away in one piece. You must be most formidable. One of us did not make it out in one piece. No, I am. I am so terribly sorry. And he kind of uh, folds his hands against his chest. I, I'm so sorry for your loss and and for my uh, for my gaffe. Oh no, it's, my uh, condolences. Yes. It, uh, anyway, yes, there are. In fact, we have both of them. Um, we've also been very both. careful. Because you mean you have you have another one of these sheets? And so he uh, did. You give him permission to pick it up? I don't recall. Yes, He's I kind did. of been cut off every time. Yeah, I, I okay, did. all right. So he he actually reaches down and scoops it up, and he actually looks at Rowan and he says. I assure you, uh, my friend, that this will be fine. I will not cause any harm to befall you. And he kind of waits to see Rowan's reaction to that. As you say. But thank you. She's going to she's going to reach her her hand out and just grab grab his wrist and, and say, "If any harm befalls any of my companions, or any of this leaves the walls." There will be hell to raise. And drops drops his arm as quickly as she took it. Uh, his skin is very cold to your touch. Uh, like he has just kind of like naturally really cold hands. Uh, and he, he doesn't pull away from your touch. And he sort of blinks at your pronouncements. And he says, uh, I understand completely. And he very gently scoops up the brass sheet. And he looks at it and he sort of traces his finger over the etchings and coos a little bit to himself and then turns it over and looks at some of the etchings on the reverse side and he says you said you have the other one and he sort of chuckles at that <laughs> you realize that there aren't just two these are pages of a tome there are many these were the only two we were able to get of the what was there six if i recall or was there eight no, there were only two. You took the two that were there. Oh, like okay. The, I'm sorry. I thought the other, I thought other ones were two. destroyed yeah. when the whole thing went down. Nope. Oh. Nope, 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 nope. He, he says, uh, well, that's very interesting because these are pages from a very powerful work known as the Nullifier's Codex. <laughs> no, what? Yes. It is a repository of so uh, I'm I'm sorry I misspoke. The nullifier's lexicon. The translation is difficult. It is uh, a repository of a great deal of knowledge about the creatures and nature of the void, the outer darkness, and the ways one might call upon it through word or inscribed glyph. Uh, it is a spell. The book. entirety of. Yes, yes, very much so. It grants one uh, knowledge of the void and its very language, uh, allows one to call upon these words, the syllables that can reshape reality, creation, the very substance of it to your will. I'm even more impressed that, uh, that you were able to wrest this from the one who had it. You were very fortunate that it wasn't the entire lexicon. I dare say you wouldn't have stood a chance. And I mean no disrespect to your prowess. Oh, I, we 
we barely made the Tazat Rods. Uh, I think if he wouldn't have been so distracted of doing, well, what he was doing, uh, we would not have fared as well. So he uh, he very carefully sets the um, the sheet back down on the cloth and kind of pats it with his fingertips once, and he says, "Thank you so very much for allowing me to examine it. That is a rare treat." I I see that you examined it and identified it fairly painlessly. Um, whenever I look at it, I get nauseous. Um, is there some wording oh, that you when have? Or? You've, when you've looked at as many nauseating things as I have, it, uh, well, for better or worse, becomes something of old hat, I suppose. Trust me, I will treat this with the utmost respect, as I do urge all of you to do as well, although given your behavior towards even this scrap of the book, uh, I have little fear that you uh, will trifle with it. Ah, uh, yes. No. If you did wish to bend some of its power to your will, that is possible, although I do believe with only two pages of the lexicon, that power will be quite diminished. Do you know... Glass. Well, there's a question that is important that we ask. Is the only way to Please. thwart the magic of the void with magic of the void? It seems all but uncounterable by anything that I have researched. Oh, uh, manifestations of void magic can indeed be countered. It requires a certain degree of uh, expertise in abjuration magics, but it can be done. One needn't call upon the void to do such things. But? But it would certainly allow one uh, access to a deep and wide reservoir of power, but one, of course, that does not come free of risk. If one were to... Do not trifle with it. If one were in need of... Quite so. Harnessing this power, what would one need to do to go about it? Not that I am interested at this point. These pages... He uh, he kind of places his fingers on the uh, the now re-wrapped page. He kind of... He closed the cloth back over the, uh, back over the brass sheet. He says, these pages uh, represent part of well, for lack of a better term, a magical artifact. It's possible that with uh, a short period of study and attunement, one might be able to tap its inherent magic. Ah, I'm not looking to do that right now, but it is good to know that it is here, and not in someone else's hands right now. Mm-hmm. Indeed. It sounds as though you wrested it from someone most ghastly. Most, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, is there any other way I may be of service to you? This has been such a rare visit. Chili's falling mm. into, like, food coma leading on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> you can feel the bubbles. <laughs> hey, what she said. Points at Rowan before she even speaks. <laughs> what would be the best way to contain this... Relic. This cloth can, is not doing anything. 
Oh, very few things will. Anything in long contact with the manifestations of void speech will rot and wither and crumble away and blacken. But most curiously, the surface upon which the glyphs are inscribed will never crumble away completely, though they will corrupt. Isn't hmm. that odd? So, however you wish to contain it will be fine. You will likely have to replace whatever vessel or shroud you place upon it from time to time. I imagine that uh, uh, cotton, it appears to be, won't hold up much longer, perhaps a month at the most, before it disintegrates into fibers. Well, Klaus, I, I have some wrappings that may help, some oilcloth, some leathers. But I think it would be wise if you give it to me to hold on to. What I was thinking... The sturdier the container, the better it will hold up against the Void's corruption. I was thinking of perhaps visiting the Gear District and getting a um, a lead folio to put them inside of. Ooh, lead. That might be very intriguing to see what sort of effect it will have. Thinly pounded lead? And slide them inside. Make a a, a portfolio because I assume that, I mean they're they're basically like copper sheets of uh, paper, all but right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bright. They're, they're like brass book pages. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I'm kind of thinking of like almost making like a lead, a lead trapper keeper. Um, <laughs> but, you know, nice. not quite that, but you know, basically just a you know, have someone maybe uh, formulate, uh, not formulate, uh, fabricate. I mean, heck, even Paula Everforge probably, I mean, could do that. I mean, she makes armor, which... Well, certainly. Yeah. Uh, do it out of lead. Um, that would be interesting. It would certainly deaden any magical emanations or attempts to detect it, which... That is, is my prudent. thoughts as well. That no one who could just... Who knew about he kind it of, could... He uh, kind of... Yeah, he leans forward and kind of glances toward the door and says... It would be wise not to let certain authorities know that this sort of thing is in your possession. Uh, they take umbrage at manifestations of darkness, worship of <sighs> certain deities and other beings. Uh, this would undoubtedly fall into their um, prejudices, founded or not. Well, and could bring danger to the city. I, they would be doing their job. Well, anyway, I... Oh, absolutely. Uh, very much has been a pleasure to uh, meet you. I, I am sorry I do not know you by anything other than the title that uh, that uh, Mottle had given to me as the Painted Man. Uh, do you have a name that I can refer to you as? Or is your title... That is indeed how I am known, and that is how uh, I would be very pleased and honored if you would refer to me as such. Why are you uh, called the Pandit Man? Excuse me? Why are you called the Pandit Man, if I can ask? Oh, I can't imagine. It's a nickname that stuck with me for years and years. And he smiles with his kabuki makeup mask. But uh, if ever you find yourselves in need of... Uh, Oh, the, the rare components for the making of your magic. If I, unless I miss my guess, you are indeed a wizard. Uh, or if you search for some bit of lost or proscribed lore, know that uh, 
I have the means to uncover it for you. Now, the more difficult it is to acquire, the higher the price will be, but that is simply the reality of economics, isn't it, my friends? And he kind of gives a, a regretful sigh. <sighs> uh, so, glad, uh, well, of course, uh, as, as I am growing, uh, I am learning. I'm a student at the Collegium, so I'm uh, starting to bump into some needs for some specialized components. Uh, it has been a pleasure to meet you. And he reaches out to shake his well-manicured hand with his, you know, cracked and probably dirt under the fingernails, um, you know, rough, calloused, stone, uh, stone-high trollkin hand. So the uh, the painted man just kind of drops his hand into yours, very effete, and just doesn't seem perturbed at all at the uh, the state of your hand or anything that might be caked on it. And he says, oh, it has been the absolute delight of my month to meet all of you, and I do hope I'll see you again. I suspect, being adventurers as you are, you might run into the need for some specialized magical assistance now and again, and I hope you'll keep me in mind. Do you buy stuff? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, most certainly. <laughs> most certainly. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, he looks at glass. For the use of strength, we find that's magical. Uh, yeah, and Glass, you know, sort of shakes his hand vigorously. Uh, magical trinkets, my little friend, are never useless. It is merely uh, the art of finding the correct hands into which they must be placed. Yes. So, uh, it sounds like you guys are sort of winding down and going to take your leave of the uh, the Black Lotus for now. I think so. Uh, and as he he kind of rests his uh, his hands on the countertop, and he he says, "Farewell, then, my new friends. Be safe out there." We will I'm try. insight on that. Sure. <laughs> Fuck five. <laughs> five. Um, it really sounds like he's just you know wishing you guys well. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll roll inside on that as well. Sure. Uh, eleven. What a nice guy. Um. Yeah, uh, it, it sounds very sincere, Rowan. Um, it sounds like uh, like you, the way you'd sort of tell someone to take care, but he happens to to have the read that you guys probably get into more trouble and danger than your average citizen, and so he's uh, he's just sending his heartfelt well wishes with you. It's just like trying to creep around things and not knock it over again. She leaves me. Sure. Uh, yeah, you make your way out and you see little bits and bobs from uh, that have a Northland style. You see things that uh, from cultures that you don't recognize. You see things from various different countries. Uh, you see what looks like probably elven artwork. Um, all kinds of different stuff in here. And you make your way out. There's another little tinkling of the bell as you open the door and step back out onto the streets. I didn't want to sound like a fool, but does anybody know where that fellow was from? I'm not really familiar with a bunch of other accents. No. He didn't sound like a gnome, so... <laughs> I mean, I was a little weird, but so was his makeup, so I don't know. Whatever. He didn't sound like he was from the Western Wastes either. Yeah, no, uh, none of you can place his accent or any of that. Okay. What um, can, can we, can we, uh, what race he was? Oh, he's human. Okay. What was he? I'm just kidding. <laughs> he appeared to be human. 
at this point, I look at everyone and I go, uh, so pancakes or fuckhouse? Mm. <laughs> yes, what's, the, what's your next destination? Food, 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 food. More food. Okay. But we are we are I mean they we are very serve? close to these the silk scabbard here. If, unless you are unless you are dying. We have more of the we are here in the market district, we can get you some more meat on I a stick. I suppose we can find I mean they I suppose have we can find there, this Leodan. Don't I? They, they have food though. A little bit. We can find the Slyodan. Till it's All right, there. so you guys I smell a thick turkey leg on the way, I think. Maybe maybe a market forward, maybe a stall a little away. I'll grab you one of yes. All right, so once once you're back out on the street, you turn your steps toward the north and uh, heading towards Crown Square, um, kind of to the south of there before you get to the Cobalt Ghetto, uh, up against up near the river. That's where you're looking for to take you to the Silk Scabbard, uh, which is on the way to the Collegium District. So if you're trying to get back to Kettle, Miss Kettlewhistle's house, the uh, Silk Scabbard is indeed on your route, and that is where we're going to stop. For this week, yes, I'm sorry the clock conspires against us. Thank you very much, everyone, for uh, for playing with me again. I love it. I, uh, I look forward to seeing you guys every week. And thank you, lovely viewers, for joining us here on Encounter Roleplay. So why don't we run through once more and you, everybody, uh, tell everybody where you can be found. Uh, I'm Dan Dillon. You can find me on Twitter at Dan underscore Dillon underscore one. I love to talk D&D. And starting tomorrow, I'm going to be heading to GameholeCon. Uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. So if you're going to be at the convention, come find me in the dealer hall at the Cobalt Press booth. I would love to talk. All right. Uh, oh, and everybody in the chat, make sure you do the uh, the giveaway that is that is running now. Type uh, exclamation point loot. Uh, all right. Tall Squall, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me pretty much all over the uh, social media as Tall Squall, and uh, you can see me on a couple other uh different games around Monday night over at the Eberron game on Scraticus Academy and DMing my own uh, on Saturdays on my channel at two o'clock. And on Thursday, uh, we should be back with wait a second, dude, our fun little stream where we're playing through divinity uh, too. So come on, uh, check us out and say you found us here on the world tree burns. All right. Uh, Scarlet Moth, where can the people find you? Hello, you can find me at that Scarlet Moth on Twitter and uh, just Scarlet Moth on any other social media. Uh, I'm an artist, cosplayer, and D&D nerd, um, so you'll find me posting a bit of everything. Uh, and I love to talk with, with people about designs, art, D&D, all that jazz, so please come and talk to me. Uh, I'm doing, I do a show on Monday nights. Monday mornings, American time, Monday nights, Australian time, uh, over on Almighty Tales Twitch, which is just a new show we've started up with all Australian ladies, and we just had our first episode the other day. It was so much fun, and if you want to see me play a very different type of character to Rowan, then you can go and do that. And McLoken. Hi, I'm McLoken. You might recognize me from such films as Don't Trust Anybody, and Oh, look! food over here i don't know <laughs> um so uh yeah i had a fun time tonight uh i'm sorry if 
if uh, uh, anyone got upset at how Cloak is <laughs> not trusting of new people right away, uh, but that's I'm, who he is. I'm just getting very hungry. Hungry yeah. from all this food talk. <laughs> I know. If I can simply mention turkey legs, and I'm like, God damn it. I have turkey legs in my fridge. So. I had a fair turkey leg a couple of weeks ago. It was... God, I love fair turkey legs. <laughs> um, you guys can catch me at uh, my show on uh, Mixer.com slash StoryQuest, uh, where I run a uh, weekly campaign of a D&D uh, 5e Final Fantasy homebrew campaign that I've been uh, making out of my brain. Um, and then as well as on uh, this show on Tuesdays. But uh, I recommend people go check out uh, Thursday nights here, uh, same time. Uh, where Metamancer is running a uh, Call of, uh, not Call of Cthulhu, uh, City of Mist campaign, uh, and she's a fantastic GM, and you guys shall go check it out. It's a really great show. So there's some really good people on that show. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. And last but certainly not least, Simply Jackson. Hey, I am Simply Jackson. Simply Jackson. You can find me here on Twitch at Simply underscore Jackson. Uh, I am a variety broadcaster. I'll be playing a lot of... I'll play the WoW demo this week. I'll be doing a lot of art. I'm actually uh, front page every Monday night for this month. Super excited yes. about that. Um, awesome. I play Tilly Ashbreka, our uh, resident and hungry dwarf. Um, she is not... I will say she's not trusting or untrusting. She's just being drug around as the bodyguard, essentially, for Rowan, she feels so... Well, Rowan says goes, and that's how it is. <laughs> but it's been really fun. This campaign seems really fun. And uh, for my one of my first D&D experiences, I'm having a great time. So thank you, Dan, for being awesome. such a good storyteller. So oh, thank you very much for playing. I'm, I'm really digging it. Uh, all right, so we have a, a winner for the dice giveaway. Congratulations to Despo. Uh, and thanks very much to the Encounter Roleplay sponsors for making all this possible. Uh, of course, Cobalt Press for having us on here and, and getting us on to do the uh, Midgard campaign setting on World Tree. Um, also to uh, Fantasy Grounds, our virtual tabletop of choice here on Encounter uh, Roleplay, and to WhalingGames.co.uk, uh, as well as TabletopLoop.com. Thank you very much to our delightful sponsors. And thank you all for joining us this week, watching and listening, and we hope to see you all next week. Bye-bye, everyone.